That's a hot take. Swinging around American flag, because that's what America's supposed to be. It's supposed to look like terminally chill. The insurance commercial has a fat ass, but like no personality. Yeah, I feel like sitting here and listening to this. <laughs> no, God damn it, Isaac. New Noise is not the first fucking refused album. Rip Isaac a new one today. Do you know what I mean? Like. What's up, guys? Welcome to Hot Takes. Oh my goodness, I sure hope you guys didn't hear me talking during that intro. Oh man, um, Chris is not here for today's episode. It is just me. Um, so, welcome to Hot Takes. Hot Takes is the internet's only vaporwave talk show. There has never been a vaporwave talk show ever. No vaporwave podcast, nobody's talking about vaporwave, we're the only ones. So, welcome to Hot Takes. Uh, to all you lovely people that are regulars, thank you for tuning in tonight. To all you new people, welcome. We're excited to have you here. My colleague is not joining us for tonight, so it'll just be me and the homie Keith. And um, the Keith, by the way, that I speak of is none other than Mr. Keith Rankin, acclaimed leader of Orange Milk Records, Giant Claw himself, and the third member of uh, revered Vaporwave Trio, Death's Dynamic Shroud. Um, very excited to have uh, a good friend on tonight. Um, and we're excited to have you guys, of course, more than anybody. So help me out. Keep me honest about audio levels. If the music's too loud, if Keith is too quiet, if I'm too loud, uh, if um, I need to mute Dr. Chris's mic, obviously, let me know. <clears throat> um, so now that we've established what Hot Takes is, uh, I'm going to start us off with some recent recommendations. So, as you know, I uh, get my feet wet in a lot of different genres, um, but uh, Vaporwave, of course, being one of my favorites, I decided to dive deep in the back catalog of uh, one Vincent Remember. Uh, many people know Vincent Remember for his collaborations with... Um, Gosh, I'm blanking. Who did he collaborate with for that um, one? Out? Oh, yeah, it was... Um, oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. Anyways, I, I downloaded the... Oh, Telepath, that's right. I downloaded the album that he released on... Oh, hey, there he is. Hey, okay. Thank you, Lux. It was Telepath. So, Vincent right. Remember's got a, uh, a solo album, of course, called Power Decisions out on Business Casual. Came out in, like, 2016. Solid album through and through. One thing I love about Mark's flips is that he typically chooses... Uh, music that is important to him uh, from his childhood. So I really like his Michael Jackson flips, his Janet Jackson flips. Uh, Chris, I told him you weren't joining me tonight. Sorry, <laughs> I fibbed a little bit. I wanted to get. I was making some green tea for myself. I'm sorry. Good man. Uh, downloaded a Waterfront Dining album. Um, where do you start with Waterfront Dining? I don't know. But I got a release of his called New Horizon. Pretty good, pretty solid, good vibes all around. Um, uh, I'm going to put in another mention for an artist that I name dropped a couple episodes ago. Farplane says music could be down, turned down 30 to 50%. 50%. Okay, thank you, Farplane. Um, thank you, Farplane. Th this song might just be mixed a little high, but let me go ahead and look at that. Um, Loft Tapes is another artist of note. Uh, Loft Tapes, of course, has like a, a bit of like hiragana before just the word tapes. And they make like vapor-inspired breakbeats. 
So like this one album called Track Pack, one that I got has a flip of uh, Sade's Couldn't Love You More, a flip of White Snake's um, Is This Love. Um, really great flips, and then of course breakbeats over the top. Um, yeah, those are going to be my recommendations. Oh, I finally, finally downloaded <laughs> Birth of a New Day. I don't know how I made it this far without having Birth of a New Day. I've never uh, listened to it. I mean, you know, I, it's... I've never heard it, actually. It, it uh. was the first Vaporwave album that made it into Rolling Stone. Oh, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm a big familiar. Telepath fan, so, I mean... I'm a big Telepath fan as well. And a big I, fan of, like, early Hong Kong Express and such. Hong I just Kong. never listened to that album. Um, it was... It was... I mean, was it's... It yeah, I did like it. Um, you know, and, and some people busted my balls a little bit for, uh, for not... Uh, having birth of a new day and for posting birth of a new day all over my socials. I never listened to it either, but I mean, it's good. It's understand when birth, what I, here's the thing is that I've been in like vaporwave you as well have been in vaporwave for a long, long time. Yeah. So when that album came out, it wasn't like that was, for a lot of people. I think that's their, they're in to vaporwave, yeah. right? They start without or vaporwave or dream Park, whatever or you want to call Macintosh it. Plus album. The world <laughs> of this music scene, right? That's yeah. their way in a lot of times with that album. For, but for me, that was another album that came out amongst dozens of others, and I was like, I just didn't, I didn't get to it. And, and, and I, I don't know about you, man, but in 2014, I was really into like outrun great, synth wave, I hear, I, I and will I listen to it eventually. Um, but, you uh, should, man. You know, I completely I ignored Dream Catalog when a lot of Hong Kong Express's music. So, um, did you jump on the Dream Catalog train like right when it started, or I was late to that? Uh, game. Yeah, of course I was listening. With well, Dream Catalog was one of many record labels that I was keeping an eye on, and another one, of course, on Orange Milk Records, who's going to be coming on again. To me, I think a lot of and even and Business Casual, these are all like, you know, like we predate all this stuff. So it was like it wasn't. I mean, I remember when you know, Dream Catalog uh, was, was. I new, remember I kicked, you know? all stuff I kept an eye on, but they weren't my way into Vaporwave because right. it started so long ago that it didn't even have a name yet. So <clears> I know. remember when Luxury Elite and Saint yeah, Pepsi I never, was I never new, developed and I was like, like, cult, like I don't I know about that Saint like Pepsi shit. Like following to any artist because you know, just uh, you know, when you watch it, when you watch the entire scene grow up, you know what yeah. I mean. Like you just. You've just been here for a long time, and uh, you know I never really developed like a cult-like following to any. How do you feel about? I will what say, all your if I had to pick a cult-like following to an artist, it would be our buddy Keith, because that man oh, yeah. is light years ahead of everybody, and continues to be light years ahead of everybody in sound design, in ideas. <clears throat> um, he was always ahead. Of might the game. be one that of the was, most important I, I remember when experimental Keith, when Keith, musicians. Like, of oh our my time. god! I remember when I I got exposure to. Um, you know, uh, Giant Claw, mm. when I first started listening to his music, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, this is it's so very, far ahead very left field. of everybody else in music in general, in my opinion. I don't want to make him blush too much, but that's just how I felt. And, um, you know, I remember just, like, cheering so hard when I, he would get, when, uh, when the, what was the album, when the album came out, uh, Dark Web album, Dark Web, yeah? Yeah, uh, album came He's out, and he was getting all this, yeah. all this, um, all this uh, attention from NPR and such, and like that was a really big, oh, yeah. that was a really big deal back then. To anybody, I remember when he did the art in that, for that scene one, to get attention. Like, it was like an airport or like a train station, and he did the art for it, and it's in Asia somewhere. And I was like, wow. And then he's had art in like magazines for articles and shit. And I'm just like, hey, yeah, somebody that made was a big it, dude. Deal back then, for anybody to start getting any kind of attention, and um, you know, he was one of the first people to really rightfully start getting attention from uh, you know the outside media 
Hell yeah, man. We're, we're excited to have him on. And it looks like the chat is as well. So anyways, those are my recommendations. I believe you have a hot take prepared to warm us up. Do you not? Sure, why not? Um, let's talk a little bit about some things that I find always interesting. I always try to look for like odd generational divides between like, you know, uh, music taste. And um, I don't think that this divide is really going to apply to anybody in the chat or anybody really in Vaporwave or the Vaporwave adjacent world because everybody in this world is pretty like open with their music taste and True. pretty fluid with their music taste. But, you know, I notice a lot of people, they kind of, um, <clears throat> it's like what they find cool. And this, I think, really more applies to like, you know, the dilettantes of music, the dilettantes of cool music, uh, right? Yeah. You know, the ones who are very surfacey. It's like there's like, it's like what they hear in their early 20s is what they decide is cool. And then before that and after that, not so much, right? So if you, I'm going to ask you, Isaac, this question. If you had to pick, like, we're just going to stick with like maybe like our sort of generation of early late millennial and early millennial late millennial and late millennial and early Gen Z. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. If you had to pick a band that like is like the sort of dividing line in the sand between like late millennial musical taste and early millennial musical taste, like well, who would you pick? Like who would you pick? Like if you're not really into this band, you're stuck maybe in the oh, late man. music Oh, uh, man. So I would probably have to go with either one of those like 60s rock revival bands like Interpol. That's maybe, interesting. Maybe or like Animal Collective. That's in, that Back when people were still like using early, like, guitars, you know, not as much synths. So I... That's Who would very, you pick? Very interesting choice. That's a really good choice. Um, so I would pick for, like, if you are... Find yourself... If, like, the, if you find yourself really into, you know, like, the second Crystal Castles album, but not really... But you never got into Death Grips, I would say you're kind of stuck in early millennial music taste. And if... You're into groups, but you don't find yourself getting into 100 Gex. You're probably stuck in late millennial music taste. Damn. And I very eagerly anticipate <clears throat> who's going to be the dividing line between like the early Gen Z and the late Gen Z. Oh man, Farplane says LCD sound eventually. system. That's a good There's, one. Oh, LCD sound system is uh, is phenomenal. That's yeah, that's a good, a good one. one too. Great for sure. choice. But I really I want to know. I'm wondering. It's too early right now, but at some point there's going to be a band that the kids who are into 100 Gex are going to like, but they won't like this other band that the later Gen Z people like. And it's I, like I, I too can't far wait to see who that's going to be because it always happens. It always happens. Like I just said for, with my little example, and you can pick this for a lot, it's like you'll find a lot of early millennials who like like cool music and then once and then post the second Crystal Castles album, not so much into the more experiment, anything I experiments beyond that. And, you know, like Death Grips, they won't get into Death Grips very much. But then, like, you see the late millennial kids, they're really into experimental sounds and music. Not so much 100 Gex. <laughs> like, and so it's going to happen with the Gen Z kids, too. And I can't wait to see, you know, I sort of devilish grin on my face. Can't wait to see all the kids who are, like, into 100 Gex now. And then some band's going to come up, and they're not going to get it. But the late Gen Z kids will get it. Right. And, you know, and this doesn't really apply too much to the Vaporwave scene or the Vaporwave adjacent scene because we're all very interested in new music looking backwards and forwards. But to like the dilettantes, like the dilettante uh -huh, cool kids, it's going to be a dividing line. And watches the Criterion I'm, Collection I'm, once. I'm, 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 it's going to take at least three, four more years before it happens, but I'm excited. I can't wait to see hey, what man. comes next. I'm, I'm always excited to see what happens next. What do you think about deconstructed club music? Have we talked about this yet? 
You've been wanting to talk about it. Because you you're always mentioning it? Hyperpop. I feel like Hyperpop is like the, the more bubblegum based, like Kawaii. I mean, I'm always it, mentioning Hyperpop? Not, not necessarily you. Lots of people do. Um, but I feel like Deconstructed Club is the more like dark, kind of angry, like moody offshoot of like the hyper it's like the what yin to hyper pop again you have it's to like, really like it's like arca ash kusha oh, okay um, well, one tricks point amazing. never stuff could be considered it's like you know club synth giant palettes, claw a little bit like but, that occasionally too. yeah very experimental um sometimes there's like some metal heart aesthetics or even like you probably won't like the new metal inspired stuff I, I'll, I'll call not. that. I'll um, call that. Already. Maybe I would. Also, but. I don't mind drawing. Here's the thing, I don't think that there's anything wrong with drawing influence from like genres that are maybe not as well respected, or maybe that you don't like, or that other people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I think it's perfectly yeah. fine to draw from, um, you know, old genres. Um, For sure. You know, once they're at, once they're over their peak, right? It's really interesting right. thing. Even if it, like, here's the thing: is like, if you asked me, like, like. Like, I don't know if, like, oh, what's a good example of this? Um, what do you think about Ario Speedwagon? Do you think anything of them? Um, no. Exactly. Somebody <laughs> like, said Ario that they... Speedwagon back in the 70s, people, or Journey back in the 70s, people would be like, that's fucking bullshit. That's garbage. That's poser <laughs> bullshit rock music. Oh, man. I fucking hate it. All the kids who are, like, into, like, Black Sabbath would call you, like, a a fucking loser for probably liking Journey. They'd say you were like a poser and shit. Right. But now, when you look back on Journey, you're like, oh, that's all right. Or Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, all right. I don't have a Sure. Problem. I mean, well, like. What people do with new Metal, they can look back to new Metal, even though I grew up during that phase and I was listening to like Dillinger Escape Plan and Converge or fucking like American Nightmare or, 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 or Earth Crisis. And I would look at the new Metal and be like, this is stupid. But. A lot of it other is people stupid. who didn't grow up in that era will look back on it and be like, "What's the big fucking deal? It's cool, you know." It's the same way that you can look back and be like, "I don't know what the big deal is with Ario Speedwagon. Sounds fine to me." But like the people <laughs> right. who grew up with Black Sabbath will probably be like, "That's stupid." But you know, yeah, man, it really it's kind just, of. It's, just, I guess... it's all relative. It's all relative. I don't know what I'm talking right. about. Right, like, and it's, it's all based on like what you were doing back in the day. Me, I'm right. I don't know. It's all subjective. I'm just here saying shit. <laughs> I remember reading somewhere that the average age that somebody stops looking for new music is like 33. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Maybe kind of sad for most people, but you know, not me. People, no, nah, it's, it's never over. It's never over for me. Mm -mm. Well, I guess, uh, you want to bring Giant Claw? Yeah, let's, Can we bring let's, Keith on? Let's bring, let's bring, Keith uh, on. Let's bring Keith on. Let's bring our on. buddy Keith on. Let's take the static down and go ahead and unmute yourself, brother. Hey! Hey! Look at that beautiful oh, man. Hey! What's up, buddy? Thank you so much for being here, man. We, you know, we were so happy to have you. We love you very much, and this is so exciting for us. Thank you, buddy. <clears throat> you should have brought me in with the Ario Speedwagon talk. That's you the goal. Let us know what you the think. the Ario Speedwagon. This is like, I, well, you were chomping at the bit to get on about Ario Speedwagon. Go for it, my friend. No, I don't. I have no opinion either. <laughs> that's funny Where, well so what that's act awesome. do you think is the dividing line between older millennials and newer millennials what's um what's a like what's the age group there? like what is considered old millennial you know what old millennial google to the rescue like early 30s right now huh early 30s mid 30s right now yeah millennials are not children we're very much like not young i anymore. mean yeah like i probably would be at the yeah, I think, I think about like the hundred gex <clears throat> comparison. 
mm-hmm. seem accurate to me. Oh, I mean, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I consider that the I consider that the dividing line between the late millennials and Gen Z. Like the early yeah. millennials, I don't even think they like have the ears to listen to 100 Gex. Probably not. They barely have the ears to listen to Death Grips, let alone that. It also depends, like you know, there's different, like, you know, there's different there's different layers of like musical interest. You know what I mean? It's like of course. I'm specifically like, referring to like. like a, yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut off. I'm specifically referring to like a, an edgy dilettante cool kid, basically. Because yeah. there's like all the early PC music stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, the birth of hyperpop right there. Yeah, that like spawned a lot of, I mean, clearly spawned 100 Gex and and all the... I, I consider 100 Gex, I guess, kind of the beginning of hyperpop in my mind. Um, I thought it was HKE. <laughs> oh boy. Just kidding. Sorry. Next. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it's curious also about a general audience. Like when you talk about popular music. Mm, that's interesting too. If with a pop, with a general right. audience, who would it be? Oh man, that's and a good question. Well, I guess with a general audience, it would be like um... Lady Gaga, maybe. Mm, no. Yes, so? but I'm trying to think of like I I'm not quite as familiar with a lot of um a lot of a lot of very popular hip hop artists as I should be, and um I'm sure you could find the dividing line somewhere there, right? Like yeah. I mean a lot of times like between um yeah I just I can't I'm not I, I'm not knowledgeable enough. Someone else is probably Fair. much more knowledgeable on this than me, and they could do it. But I'm so divorced from a lot of pop culture that I I can't do it very well. And they, Same, you know what I mean. But I, I bet if you looked at the hip hop artist, like, you know, yeah, like yeah, there's a big, there's like a big divide between people who are big on streaming and uh, yeah, kind of like the breakaway from the the Billboard charts, I guess. If you like, want to look at, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Where it's just like all the the major label metrics were based <laughs> on like a pre-streaming era. Good and point. And so it's like. They have all these Nielsen ideas about shit. Who, who were the popular artists that once Spotify and stuff came on, it kind of like obliterated uh, those ideas because oh. you could see like the exact numbers that like kids were actually listening to, you know? Right. And it's like, like who was the number one streamed artist like this year and last? Uh, it was some like rapper who was like, most mainstream weekend or something maybe probably don't even know yeah i don't even know probably probably i don't even know yeah the weekend or drake or somebody oh it's like it was something it was like bad bunny or something like that okay i thought bad bunny made like reggaeton music i I don't know i don't know about these things that's i should rap adjacent i guess somebody please it is bad bunny for the last two years it was bad bunny okay it's the most streamed spotify artist like I just feel like a lot of non-kids don't know who that is or have never even heard of that bunny. That's very interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe we should find a way to stream some bad bunny through this uh, episode. If you want to find like an interesting dividing line between even millennials and Gen X, just like what their opinions on rap music are in general, right? Absolutely. Like if you would like um, look at a, uh, a typical Gen X person, they, you know... They, they were the last generation to really grow up with rock as the number one kind of music on Billboard charts, right? You know what I mean? Like following, I mean, it was really like, it was Nirvana's uh, 
never mind that unseated thriller right as the number one album so you know they grew up with that kind of as like they're like the last generation to grow up with rock music as pop as the most popular form of music but once you get to the millennials you enter like you know 1996 or whatever and um rap is no longer quite as dangerous because you know tupac shakur and biggie smalls are gone and now there's a vacuum for who's going to be the more popular rap artist and that's filled by puff daddy right and so puff daddy comes out with the song um you know more money more problems right and he completely revamps the way rap looks rap used to look like people in very uh you know it is it, like very like it was like a very cool music videos back that back with like dr dre and Ice Cube it was very cool. Like it looked like a party that I definitely wasn't going to be invited to. Like I was definitely not cool enough, or like, or like you know, you know, authentic enough to go to this party where they're all dressed in black, drinking cool shit. You know what I mean? Like chilling next to these amazing, car- these interesting cars. It looked a little dangerous. It was very rebellious. But Puff Daddy goes in and. and he does something very interesting with with hype williams the music director right they're all wearing now like neon shirts and they're floating in space and there's fireworks and girls dancing in fun futuristic you know that y2k style uh aesthetic right and that like totally opens up rap music to like everybody at that point and now it becomes the number one pop music basically it's interesting He's, he's a genius like puff daddy and hype williams fucking brilliant brilliant people like they've really like expanded that whole the whole scene to everybody and it's made that the number one genre anyway i guess that's an aside but you know that's an interesting difference but that starts in the millennial at times right in with millennial era i could see a band come being popular again like sure like if if a really just like hard uh just like a really like intense energetic band Mm. like it like played on saturday night live or something like that I can see like I can see it being fresh again, basically like right. kind of like a Nirvana, yeah. so like that's a Nirvana interesting. experience. Yeah. So going back to the whole Nirvana Wait, and the oh, whole I like get back void to that point for one second. All right, then we'll go back to that. Is actually like because we're talking about like a band being very popular but what's really interesting is that like with a lot of the millennials well, not millennials the gen z kids there is like a revival of like the soft grudge sort of concept right yeah. where they're all wearing the baggy clothes they look a little unwashed they're skateboarding they're listening to a lot of lo-fi bands like if you look at a Garage band like stuff well you listen list look if you want to look at the bands they're listening to like look at like a band like a band like idris right you know what i mean uh, that band is extremely popular and it's like chill, lo-fi, garage rocky stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like that's pretty popular right now. Like I actually kind of thought like, oh, I don't know if rock music is going to be doing that. But then if you go on Spotify, like there's bands like that. They're doing incredibly well. With they are bringing guitars listeners. back little by little. But it's not very much like, you know, like you, you we are primed, I think, for what Keith is talking about right now, right? Like you start like rock is like slowly like, hey, remember me too, and like mm-hmm. doing that lo-fi thing, getting a lot of the kids going. Like the the next logical step is possibly what Keith just said, like a big explosive like Nirvana sort of like big energy band, right? Because the kids will be listening to the eye dresses and the other lo-fi bands like this for a, like a couple more years, but then they'll want a new development following that, and uh, we'll see what happens, right? Interesting. Music think, is fun. <laughs> I also, I think like the modern area also exposes kind of the illusion of like, of like a monoculture which used to be around, like, mm. like Nirvana or you know the Beatles. Like all these old groups were just like they were filtered through so few media outlets that it was like 
the 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 whole culture didn't really have a choice True. about what what was the like <clears throat> hypest thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like that's going away. Thank like a God. Lot. And so it's like with that goes kind of the idea of even like genera generational divides themselves. Like yeah, you know, it's yeah. like a the <laughs> like a flimsy premise to to even <laughs> talk about to a degree. Like. <laughs> I don't know. Like the divide between millennial and Gen Z, it's like, like the more that gets talked about, it's like the more power that idea gets. But it's like, absolutely, it's, it's not as many. I don't know. I <laughs> like agree. It's kind of, kind of an illusion a little bit. I think. I mean, a lot of this stuff is an illusion, right? It's all just whether you choose to participate in it or not. Yeah. A lot of people would hear the thing and choose mm -hmm. to participate. It, you well, don't have to decide that like music is bad after right. 33, but they choose to participate in the idea that what they decided was cool in their early 20s is what's cool, and the kids <coughs> after them, they don't know what they're talking about. You know? Oh, that was yeah. your That's like, it's like right. people choose to participate in that. I saw, I saw a tweet that was funny that was like, basically saying what you're talking about like saying that there's no talented musicians past oh like God. the year 2000 <laughs> or something like it that shit is so funny yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's i love the decentralization of the power in the music scene always in the room brought up a really valid point i don't know if you remember but in the like mid 90s some dude in texas bought like all of radio and like started oh. streaming nothing but that shitty like limp biscuit like super macho aggressive white guy rock no disrespect to limp biscuit but i'm sure you remember like in the middle of the 90s it was pretty diverse and then in like 1996 or some shit it became just a bunch of butt rock in the, in the middle of the 90s yeah it was yeah. really that diverse in the middle of the 90s i would think that it would have been i mean you had the I whole like little little fair because we had a lot of like rock. punk and there was a lot of like yeah. electro like chemical brothers that was they single-handedly kind of killed that whole little movement you know, and then, um, thank but God, know. record I mean, labels and radio it? stations don't really have the power anymore. And I guess, like, the punk rock music became, started getting a lot more traction in the mid-90s as well, because grunge was sort of on the downswing. So I guess it was. There was, like, a couple-year period where, you know, it was getting a little, I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Keith? Yeah, I mean, remember, like, there in the 90s, there was a lot of, like, kind of bizarre hit singles. Like, Yeah, there, there were. Like, Wumba or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like there's like a brief like swing revival which was oh, just the whole like, ska oh, thing. Man, Damn. That was Don't that start. Was, that, was, that was piggybacking off the ska movement, Somebody right? Somebody get R23X um, in here. Oh yeah. Yeah, Mark loves ska very much so. Hey, he is uh he is right for loving it. <laughs> he loves he likes really good ska. Ska was yeah. fun. What was it you said that it's the sound that a 5th grader hears when they get an extra mozzarella cheese stick? Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> I think I got yeah. that from a meme. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, I got a question for you, Keith. Let's get started on some some uh, some exploring your tastes, man. Um, can you tell sure. us the story about when you discovered your favorite act or album or even genre, if you want to make it really broad? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know if I have a, a favorite. I just, there's certain things that I... Like when I think about like what's your favorite question, it's kind of like, what have I been enjoying consistently for the longest time? 
it's a hard question. I know. I, I have another. I have a follow-up question to that. But what have you been enjoying consistently for a long time? Yeah. So it's yeah. Like, let's just go with that. I think okay. of like uh, things like like a lot of anime soundtracks. It's like I was deeply like uh, you know like the Ghost in the Shell. Oh, theme. very cool. So, like when I was young, it's like that was I was like obsessed with it, and I listen to it now, and it's still like. Like I still love it on an equal measure as I did back then, or like the Akira soundtrack. So like stuff like yes. that. Yes, Gino Yamashiro. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. That guy. The Game Boy Yamashiro Gumi. <laughs> yeah, the orchestra. Yeah, oh, I mean, man. I have, all their records are amazing. Like I have, yeah. Uh, so things like that have like stood the test of time in my mind, whereas other things. You know, I've I've gone through a lot of phases. I think, um, like I was went through a big progressive rock phase when I was an early teen, uh, and some of that I still like a lot. Very cool. Yeah. What about you? Uh, that is a like, very you... hard question. I was so. Le- yeah, so, I don't um, know. I want to hear your answer to Chris's follow up question. Oh, okay. I can answer Key's question as well, but let me do this question. Yeah, please do. Which is like, I think it's one thing to say, you know, uh, I think the question that I actually kind of want to know is, do you remember, and this does not have to be your favorite band. I don't Uh expect it to be your favorite band, honestly, but do you remember the first time that you heard something that like, that moved you, that moved you uh, deeply and made you think, I really like music a lot. I think I want to maybe get into this one day. Yes. A hundred percent, actually. I like... I remember I would listen to the, you know, being a really little kid, just listening to the radio. Yeah. And like, I remember Green Day, the Green Day song, I think it was Basket Case. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm cracking up and I'm yeah. just paranoid. Yeah. And just like, I think maybe they, I think it was maybe like the first time I heard a minor chord in a song or something like oh, that. Interesting. But like, yeah, I was super young. It was just like on the radio, and I just remember being like struck by that, like so intensely. Just like, what the fuck is like, wh- what's happening to my body? Like, why is the why is the music? <laughs> you know, it's like, why is the music doing this to me? Like, I didn't even know this was yeah, possible. Yeah, man, that's interesting. I love it. I love this story, man. I love how you're describing it too. Mm-hmm. But, Sick as fuck. Yeah, so there was like a sub. There was a bunch of songs like that, where I think yeah. it was more. It was either like just the vibe of the song or like the chord change and just like <clears throat> I don't know. It's just like the music suddenly. It's like taking a drug for the first time, and it's like I didn't know this experience was uh, something my body could could uh, make happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that rare magical. feeling when you can't stop listening to a song over and over. I try not yeah. to do that because I don't want to ruin music for myself. But once That's a year, too. maybe I'll find a song where I'm just like, God damn, this is good. Like, yeah. this is going in every DJ set until I get tired of it. For sure. There's yeah, there's usually a few albums a year that like hit me in that way. I found it. I just can't stop. I found a shoegaze um, band in like the late 2000s called Rum Skib that was from the 2000s, but it was like the best representation of, they're not well known, but it sounds just like early 90s shoegaze and every single track is a straight banger. So I guess that would be my answer that you asked me, Keith, 
and I found it yeah. just messing around looking for shoegaze online in 2009 or some shit. Yeah, far plain in the chat said "Kiss from a Rose." That's oh, yeah, nice. That, that is was... like a powerful song. That's a powerful yeah. song. And uh, like, I could totally see that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. Like Whitney Houston, like the Bodyguard soundtrack. Um, that one like hit me so deeply. <laughs> like, uh, I was actually just listening to it last night, and it was like, this is like the best album I've ever heard. Just like <laughs> Whitney Houston Very going cool. off on the Bodyguard soundtrack. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a hugely talented person. It's like a heavy weight to bear that kind of talent that she had. I'm not surprised that it was like difficult for her. And uh, you know, yeah. God yeah. rest me, God bless her. And I can't imagine what it would be like to have that kind of talent. It's it's a really probably a very difficult cross to bear. You know what I mean? You ever, did you ever see the like Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown? Reality? Yeah, I did. That was really sad. <laughs> what yeah, was it? The, that was the reality show. That was really hmm. sad. But it was it. like very much like a reminder of like this person is imperfect. They are a vessel yeah. for something really beautiful. They are very troubled and like yeah. they need help. And like honestly, like it's really like you hear someone sound so beautiful and you know you forget that they're not like an angel that they need help too. You know, it's very sad, very sad one, very sad story with Whitney Houston. And yeah, um, you know that person needed help. And I'm um, it's very sad that she's gone and we've really lost somebody very special and you know Sad. There's a part in that. There's a part in the show where I think their whole family is like out somewhere in public, and mm -hmm. Bobby Brown is like, like loving the attention, like giving autographs, taking oh, God. pictures, and Whitney Houston is just like, I can't deal with this shit. Mm -hmm. And then like, it like cuts to Bobby Brown, like talking to the camera, and he's just like, Whitney is like a, a like true artist, like. Like she, she could like take or leave all the like fame bullshit. Like she just wants to right. like record music and stuff. Yeah, just wants and to I make just, music. Yeah, I, I just always love that about. That's Whitney. really fascinating. I wonder if that's why she was so drawn to Bobby Brown. It's because he is such a showman, right? You know. Yeah. And maybe that's why he was drawn to her because she's such an artist. But. Anyway, thanks for joining us on uh, Bobby Brown, Whitney Houston talk. This is I know, the podcast right? now. <laughs> Actually, let's change the name. Um, no, if I had to pick my artist, uh, that I got to do mine now. I had to yeah. pick the one that I because Keith was asking, Go. like, what do we pick? So I remember, like, I was I was very much into music. You know, I I I, I saw this at, when I started listening to music. Like, I wasn't somebody who was particularly charming or good at sports, but I did really connect with music. And I'm like, well, this is like this is my thing. And I remember I would go on the radio, I would listen to all the bands, I would keep track of like, the, I can tell you like every single that like Stone Temple Pilots released and when they released it and like which was the first one. I was like, oh yeah, you know, that was Plush, then it was Sex Type Thing, then it was Wicked Garden. I'm like, I can tell you like, because like that was, to me it was like, it gave me a sense of being a valuable person because I was archiving this art, for, you know, people weren't paying attention to. But I do remember, so, but I do remember it moving from, um, you know, something that was a social crutch to me to like something that really like hit my soul hard was uh, was Nine Inch Nails when I started listening to them. Mm. And um, which I, was very that? cool. Which album was it? Yeah. Well, I could only I wanted the downwards. 
didn't get that one right away. Uh, so I had to get pretty hate machine because it didn't have the explicit warning label on it. I eventually uh -huh. got downward mm. star. Like, I you know, went to the wall and snuck it home. But uh, you know that <laughs> album. <laughs> what really hit me about it was it said uh, you know all music by Trent Reznor. Like he made everything. And I was like I didn't know you could do that. And also I'm like well not only could, did, can he, did he make all the sounds, but these are so different than everything else that's deemed alternative music. And I was like wow. And then I started watching the music videos by him too. And I'm like not only is music can music inspire you know. <clears throat> internally but it can inspire externally as well you can a whole world can be created around the visuals that would associate itself with this with this music you know like the mark romanak video for uh you know uh what's it called for closer is fucking brilliant right you know <laughs> like that's insane and it's like high art you know what i mean like oh wow this can be really high this is like this can be not just for fun and not just for coolness but this can be really high art you know what i mean and the trent Reznor kind of introduced that concept to me and yeah. it's very cool high. i would and, definitely throw i would throw bjork in as like oh, oh she's yeah. so oh, skilled i love bjork. yeah for sure great much a bjork music video right yeah My first that was the first like i think that was the first electronic music i that was like my gateway into great, electronic. Great, great, great gateway. Did you watch the music videos? Oh, oh man, well, they're so good, especially the yeah. Michelle Gondry ones. Yeah, I love the music videos, but I the first exposure was like an anime music video that someone nice. did uh, with like something from, I can't remember, I think it was like Bachelorette, her song. Yeah, yeah. And that was like the springboard, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. Bachelorette is amazing that me it's probably her maybe my favorite bjork music video as well actually man that, that is is that the one where she like watch... dives off the cliff or whatever no this is the one where she finds a book in the forest she writes the book they make a play and then it ends up being a play within a play within a okay. play within a play i do remember that the yes. relationship breaks apart and then the play I'm breaks apart too and she ends up back in the forest it's I mean, it's a gondry video that's true um oh man if you haven't watched the music video for bachelorette Everybody in the chat, do yourself a favor, go watch it. It's I think it's beautiful. one of the greatest music videos ever made. Um, so hey, tech, can I can I do you? Yeah, Tech Honors is in chat. What's up, bro? Hey, What's tech? Up? I didn't know we were talking about our first our first exposure to music that made us passionate. I was. Do you want to do that one? I yeah, yeah. So so I grew up in a super restrictive forest, religious evangelical forest. household. So I could only listen to Christian music. But of course, oh, yeah. I found the weirdest Christian music possible as fast as possible. And there was a record label called Tooth and Nail Records, and they had this synth pop yeah, artist. Yeah, MXPX was on Tooth and yeah, Nail. Yeah, MXPX and Norma Jean <laughs> and the Chariot. Well, they had this artist yeah. called Joy Electric that was making super oh. weird synth pop music, and yeah, I love I'm familiar with them. I That's love awesome. talking to Angel Fire Tools about Joy Electric because she is a, I wouldn't say a fan, but she's familiar, and they're weird as fuck. So, like, of course, I, I gravitated to the electronic music that was super strange, like, synth palettes and stuff. And honestly, there's this one particular song. It's called Shepherds of the Northern Pasture, and I still, still love it. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, it's like, okay. you ever sit Listen. back and just visualize your music? That did that for me. <laughs> was Tooth and Nail, like, was, like, that band Cursive on Tooth and Nail? No, Cursive, Cursive is on Saddle Creek, man. Yeah. Cursive okay. was, uh, yeah, was part of Bright the Bright Eyes, Eyes and all those family, guys. right? They were on Saddle Creek Records and such with, uh, you know, Mike Mogus and, like, the Fates oh my stuff, right? <laughs> Alex saw Joy Electric at Chain Reaction. That's unbelievable. Oh, no way. That guy's a uh, pastor in Orange County now, actually. What? And he, Amazing. Chris, he has a giant 
collection of analog synths with all the fucking patch wires and stuff. He's a really skilled individual, man. God like, bless him. A lot of Christian music, as corny as it is, that stuff was good. I still, I'll still sometimes scour like Christian music radio um, for samples. Oh, for sure. Good. <laughs> for sure. There's some isolated lines that are just like, if you just take this line by itself, takes on a very new meaning i would say so in 5x is in 5x is sampled a christian uh group called bob and pauline wilson for the first track on um whatever synthetic corp it's called because i know they want to catch me and it's like vibey as fuck but it's i looked up the sample and it's like a super 70s jesus freak crazy song but he makes it work somehow Isaac, when did you get out of like the religious lifestyle? Um, I actually would if he if he, I would actually still consider myself religious. I just don't really okay. like. I'm not preachy Wait. about it. I don't do anything about it. You know. Did you used to be like hardcore? Uh, I wouldn't say hardcore. I would say in high school I was like very interested in like living my faith and like studying the Bible and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, but, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm kind of curious where you are on that spectrum, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I guess like the disconnection between Christianity and capitalism, a lot of these churches don't really care about Christ. They just care about capitalism, you know? Yeah. That's a long conversation for another day. Uh, (laughs) I know. I didn't, I did not. I didn't grow up. I'm just always curious about that because I didn't grow yeah. up with any religion. But like, interesting. I, I have a lot. Of, I have friends who did like, and it's always. It seems like it's either like a traumatizing like early experience. Um, there were some things just, about I, it that I, weren't I, great. I, I yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's interesting that you took the the things that were good about it with you and you left behind the things that were bad about it. And that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And you grew up Catholic. I want to say I grew up Catholic, but like I grew up like New Jersey Catholic and it's like, my parents were like, come on, we haven't gone in three months. We gotta go. We gotta go. And then we get there and my parents would be like, this sucks. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Like, Oh, I I love, I, um, I love Catholicism, not because of the evil shit that goes on with it, but because it, but because it is kind of strange and bizarre and cryptic and weird, and like has beautiful art associated with it, and insane sort of relics and this bizarre medieval sort of history behind it, full right. of like, deceit. It's very and, old, like, challenging. It's like an empire. It's very cool, man. When you go to like you like, I mean. Let me say, it's not that cool because of the evil shit that happens. And we're not even going to, I don't want to get into that, but I want to just, just remove, I just want to talk about the superficial, creepy art that is associated with it. Like whenever, you know, there'd be no Gothic imagery without the Catholic imagery first, right? True. Absolutely. Catholic imagery basically is creepy Gothic imagery. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't see any other religion with all this creepy Gothic imagery in it. Although I will say there's some really fucking cool mosques out there that are like fucking outstanding, like in Syria that we, you know, really deserve some as much love as like the Sistine Chapel and the, oh, uh, yeah. and the Catholic churches get. Like some of these mosques are also really cool and creepy and weird and have amazing weird relics in them, too. So, like, I do like any religion that has like 
weird relics and bizarre gods and angels and like strange imagery that could be subverted and like mm -hmm. catholicism is like the western version of that like you know there are really cool imagery and bizarre angels and gods and demons in in a lot of the other you know the other religions that are out there but i don't know i don't like that a lot of the other christian religions like stripped away all the weird shit like I like the weird shit. The weird shit yeah. is inspiring to look at. You know, if you go to like the Sistine Chapel, right before you actually enter the Sistine Chapel, there's like the modern art section, and everybody like fucking breezes right past that. But in there, you'll find like Dali, Chagall, Manet, Monet, like every kind of artist, Matisse, any kind of artist that you have like a basic kind of like superficial knowledge of. Klimt is in there too. That you have like a superficial knowledge of. They've done some weird Catholic painting and it's in there. And like people like walk right by this to go to the Sistine Chapel. But I've like, I've never seen that many famous artists next to each other. And like, hey, I don't know. Have you, been, have you been to the Sistine Chapel? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, I have. What was it, uh, like how, was it enormous or? It's fucking huge. It's insane. It's insane. It's like, I and mean, like, this is like, you know, like, you know, the evil empire of Catholicism, like basically commissioned this thing. And it's, um, it's interesting. You know what I mean? What was really interesting is like, and then you go into like all the different, like, um, you know, all the different, like old popes, like rooms and shit. And it's all like full oh, of regalia wow. and like opulence. And like, Ooh, you like, it's really funny to like walk into like the Borges, like rooms and be like, oh man, these fucking evil motherfuckers and their strange, weird shit. Like, that's cool. I don't know, man. Man, what's really cool, cool is fake religions. With it. Like Star Wars, right? The Jedi or like the religions in Final Seven Fantasy and Sorrows shit. of Mary. Like, where else do you get this? You don't get that in a lot of other or the Christian yeah, religions. Yeah, but the, the, the fake ones are cooler. To Mary's heart. Like, like when people have to shit. make up Love a religion. It. Yeah. That's like like Dune, right? Like the... Yeah, yeah. yeah Dune is a great example. Well, Muad'Dib yeah. and, and the witches, whatever they're called. I can't remember. Benny Gesserit. The yeah, Benny Gesserit. Yeah, uh, my memory sucks. I always thought Dune was kind of... It was like, you know, that's like a science fiction novel that focuses on, like, technology and religion. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, I love like, fake religion. It's not religions. focused on, like, most, most, like, futuristic things are basically built on, like, the idea of, like, advancement in technology. And every fucking goddamn science fiction movie has, like, someone, like, whoosh, like bringing up a screen, like, whoosh, 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 like, moving their hands across some invisible screen and there's like cricket noises i never heard a fucking computer in my life make a cricket noise yet for some reason in every futuristic movie they're all making like cricket noises right. constantly i know exactly the sound you're talking about But like about. dune doesn't really focus on that it's like the you know it's it's more about uh you know they're like technology we're done with that now we've actually been developing right. like you know the spiritual and the uh and the interesting you know things inside <laughs> the human body through like techniques. <laughs> the cat behind process. you <laughs> Oh, did, you yeah. see, did you see the new Dune movie? I did see the new Dune movie. What did you guys think of that? I haven't seen it yet. Let me know what you what guys you think. What did you think, Keith? I really, I thought it was really good. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. I, I actually prefer the imagery in the David Lynch one better. Like, well, I thought yeah. the imagery is more interesting. Um, I thought the imagery in the new Dune movie, I thought this was a very good movie, but I don't really remember what much it looks like from it. I remember being very brown. But like uh -huh. in the in the in the David Lynch film, I I'm never gonna forget like you know you know the the little sister right or the Baron Harkonnen or like well what people wore in that movie and the mm -hmm. way things looked. Um, yeah, but, some of the... It, but the new one is probably a better film. You know what I mean? It's definitely a better film. Too bad we didn't get Jodorowsky's though, right? They didn't uh, use the weirding way or anything in the new movie yet, correct? No. 
Because I remember asking, I think Liam about that. Because remember in the um, the Lynch one, they just kind of shout, but that's not how it's done in the book at all. I don't. Remember. I thought the working way was just what the Fremen called the like Benny Gesserit uh, speak or whatever. Or did they have a gun? I don't remember. All I remember is they changed it, and I, I thought I was yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna get it wrong so, inevitably. So Keith, what got you into making music? Um. Well, what made like, you decide to start making it? Because it's like, like you get so into it that you're like, I need to <laughs> manifest this myself. Do you know what right. I mean? I could do this it's better. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, it's like an extension of uh, being an intense listener, I would say. That's too cool. It's, it's like, and having a lot of curiosity. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like, I can still remember getting my, like, first, I got this, like, digital recorder thing, and, like, being able to record your own sounds for the first time was, like, yeah, it was, like, just, like, an orgasm, like, <laughs> unreal, just, like, uh, and, but I was also into visual art really early, too, like, I was really into Lord of the Rings when I was oh, a little yeah. kid, Wow. and I, like, I have, I still have this folder. I tried to draw like every single Lord of the Rings character when I was like, you know, under ten years old. You should mint those as NFTs. <laughs> I, I think I've posted some online, uh, but I have like, yeah, hundreds of them. Like every Lord of the Rings character, I have like a little childhood drawing of. Wow. Um, Did you see so, the uh, first animated Lord of the Rings film? Yeah, I loved. I was. Really the rotoscoped one. one. I, um, what's his name? <laughs> oh. uh, who's the uh, who's the, oh fuck the director? Really famous animation director uh, from the seventies. Oh, it wasn't Don Bluth. No, oh, it's certainly not Don Bluth. He also did Fritz the Cat and Heavy Traffic. Ralph Ralph Baxter. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, I guess definitely. That? Although Don Bluth, interesting character as well. But I guess we can get off. Did topic you again Did you see we... the Hobbit? Because I'm pretty sure that's a of course rankin I saw the bass Hobbit. one. And I saw the I saw the Hobbit. The fr and I also saw Return of the King, which was the sequel to the Hobbit. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. Oh, that's the third Lord of the Rings. Movie. No, but they couldn't do. They they just they had to do. Was it Return of the King? Right. That Wait a minute. Was it the by the same version. people that made that? It was 60s by the same person. Yes, I haven't seen that. Person. Is it as good? It's no. not. As, there's oh. musicals in it too. There's music in that one as well. Oh there's man, song those songs in the sing. Hobbit are so singable. Down, down. The greatest to adventure. Is, <laughs> yeah. is that? Oh, that that movie's so good, dude. I love that, and I love. The Wind in the Willows, um, I think, is by yeah. the same animators. That's also, uh, ironically, a Rankin-Bass film. Yeah, Rankin-Bass. Rankin-Bass, yeah. It's definitely it's shed tears to the Hobbit music. Yes, 110%. Yeah. <laughs> so you, it's a so forlorn Lord of the film. Rings, I could totally see that. Like, that's like a, you know, Lord of the Rings is, is a well- Like when you get exposed to Lord of the Rings at a young age, you're like, man, I can't believe someone imagined and created all of this. How cool. Yeah. Did you read the books, Keith? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, when I was like, you know, super young, my my dad read uh, read them to me. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, and then, yeah, or so I like went on to read them myself later. But yeah, I don't know if I would. If I read them now, it's like I don't know what I would think. I don't know if I would have 
I, I mean, I obviously wouldn't have the same reaction, but I don't even know if I would necessarily like them that much. But, uh, but you know, when you're young, it's like anything that you get hit with is like mind expanding. Oh yeah, like yeah, that was very music. seminal for me in high school. Yeah, same with music. Like when I was young, literally anything I heard was like mind blowing. Like it didn't matter what it was. It was just like hearing stuff for the first time. Uh, mm -hmm. It was before you like develop an idea of like in a personal idea of like good or bad or taste or whatever. Mm. It's just like, it's all stimulus. It's all just like, maybe what we're doing is we're literally like drugs. We're chasing that high that we experienced when we first found music that was mind blowing to us when we were younger. Yeah. I mean, you know. I think that's true to an extent for sure. Sort of. Barring, of course, how, the technical aspect of it. Yeah. Of course. So then how did you move from, you know, being inspired by everything to, I don't know, starting to make experimental music? How did your music start moving? Because, you know, I said this before and I'll say it again. I said at the top of the podcast, I always considered you to be at the forefront of interesting sound design and music writing. I still think you are. I think you were way ahead of the game, even like eight or nine years ago when I first, we first met and I first started listening to you. I thought you were ahead of the game then. You continue to be now. Uh, your last album, fucking amazing, by the way. I'm not even talking about the Death Dynamic Shroud album, which is great as well, a deconstructed pop album, but I, your album, right, your actual album that came out recently, that is phenomenal. And if you guys haven't listened to this, please, please, as soon as you're done with the podcast, go listen to this album and be inspired and it's because it's phenomenal so like how did you start what did you start to like when did you find your voice basically like because it's one thing to be inspired by everything it's one thing to start making music but at one point where you're like i think i'm discovering kind of my voice here and it's very different than what i was listening to previously mm -hmm. yeah i mean when i first started making music i was it was all about like harmony and uh like composition i guess mm-hmm like a lot of my earlier music um was more i mean a lot some of it sounded like video game music like that kind of composition just like big on melody and like writing things on the piano um and i was in like a kind of like a synth band a synth like band a, yeah hmm. like a synth progressive rock band almost what, what how old were you then uh, like by this point, I was a teenager. I can't oh. remember. <laughs> yeah. Really like... Were you friends with uh, Tech and James back then too? Yes. Yeah. Um, too cool. I, I I hear that they thought you were like the the cool guy who like was always doing stuff and always making interesting music. I mean, you'd have to ask them. <laughs> right. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. I hear. Yeah. But anyway, so you were doing the synth band, okay? Well. I mean, basically, I was just really into composition and yeah. harmony and melody and, um, you know, doing that kind of thing. Um, and so it's like I spent so long on that, like, in playing the piano. Um, yeah, my mom had, like, a piano in her basement that I would just, like, I just play all the time. That's how I learned That's cool. music. Um, yeah. And eventually it was like, if I don't, kind of like get rid of this or like try something else i'm just gonna get stuck uh kind of in a box like for the rest of my life hmm. and so that's why i started giant claw was like um 
just like a project to improvise essentially and like learn how to um just make more spontaneous music improvise just like experimenting very um, cool yeah so that was like my that was like my shunning of composition basically um <laughs> but ironically it's like kind of come back around and now it's i like do a lot of really detailed arranging and composition still but um yeah so it's like i i feel like musically i've always kind of like spun back and forth between that like intense composition and improvisation um that's kind of the funny interesting thing is like improvisation almost leads to composition because when you're impro when you're improvising you're trying to find your voice and then like yeah. that's through the improvisation you find something that feels like you and you're like oh i liked that i liked the way i did that you lock that away and then you kind of start composing based on the things that you improvise that you really liked like that becomes yeah. part of your toolkit right i mean i find that as well that like you know i start by just like fucking around and once i fuck around i'm like huh why well, don't you know this part of the fucking around i i think is me you know what I mean? I think this Fucked is me. In out. the same way that, like, throughout, like, our life, we try different things or meet different people. We connect with certain people, don't connect with others, right? Or, like, like some foods, don't like other foods. It's, like, the same thing with, like, the art that we make, right? Like, you just fuck around and you're like, this is me. Okay, remember that. And, then, like, you start, when you, you start just, what starts as composition, uh, improvisation becomes part of composition. I don't know. So. Yeah. Sure. We've got a backlog of questions in the chat. I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, Pacific no, Plaza asked a, a little ways back. Um, yeah, Pacific questions. Plaza I... mentioned that you started a TikTok and wanted to know why, I believe. Ask Keith why he started a TikTok. And then Lux wants to know about the origins of orange milk. Yes, we are, we are going to get to that for sure. But so why why, I... before we do that, why'd you start a TikTok, Keith? Yeah. Well, because I was seeing... I don't know if you, you've probably noticed that like half of Twitter is just people reposting TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram too. True. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's kind of the wave right now. Christ is really good at, um, and I think the whiz is on TikTok too. Yeah. And I mean, the TikTok algorithm is really intense. Like it <laughs> really, really hones in on like kind of almost like hidden interests, I would say. Interesting. Um, Fascinating. Basically, you know, just based on what you're liking and what, and like what, if you watch a video all the way through, I'm pretty sure they like take, like take that into account. But yeah, I like, so it's like I got on TikTok and instantly I was just getting like UFO videos. Like, <laughs> like I love that. I don't talk about it a lot, but it's like, I think there's some, like a deep part of me that is really like in the ufo conspiracy stuff <laughs> you didn't uh, even know it that's yeah, yeah that was, <laughs> tiktok like, read you it, it played me yeah scanned your soul man and so yeah creepy <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit about uh the origins yeah. of orange milk and why it's called orange milk shiny crystal pistol wants to know yeah it was uh orange milk uh so we started in like 2010 Oh, and there was like wow. a lot of, uh, yeah. It was the time when like there was a lot of like a lot of underground electronics was like the tape, uh, like DIY tape scene stuff. Yes, yeah. I, I remember thinking like, uh, like once I saw like Washed Out was releasing, you know, that High Times thing only on tape. 
I remember being like, gotta pay attention to tapes. Yeah. Gotta see what's going on here because I want to start making music too. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. tape tape things exploded around 2009, 2010. That's like when really like the the big big move towards cassettes. I'd say was then. Right, and um, yeah, there's a lot of like synth revival and um, kind of like this 70s avant-garde revival. I would say, or I don't I don't know if that went away, but uh, kind of the first my first exposure to it, like kind of like abstract avant-garde electronic music. A lot of it was on tape, like. Uh, maybe uh, you might know. Do you remember Kabbalati's that band? I know Robert Beatty was friends with them. Um, but basically, um, I just wanted to be like, I was totally outside. Like, I didn't know any musicians really. Uh, and I just wanted to be a part of that scene because I liked the music so much. Very good. Uh, so you started so- releasing it. Yeah, so me and my friend Seth uh, from Dayton, Ohio, uh, we were kind of like the only two people that we knew that was into the same music and kind of on the same wavelength. So it was like, how can we interject ourselves into this music scene? Yeah. And like, so, yeah, that, we started the label for that, basically. So... Is Chris frozen? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, do we lose? It's okay. You can talk over him. Okay. So we've got lots of no. He, I think he's back. Chris, you're with us, right? I'm here. That that was a joke. By oh, the way. Sorry. I missed your question. It was oh, freezing. my question was when did you start? When did you immediately start expanding it to bands across the country, or was it originally just Ohio bands? Like you know what I mean? Or was it really no, just giant? It was internet stuff, pretty much from the jump. Yeah, um, that's how that's how it went back then. Yeah, that's I mean, like literally. Of... Like I remember being like, "Wow!" Like I guess I would, you know, I guess this is how we do this now. And then getting all the Facebook requests from people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, then we were in Dayton, Ohio, and it's like, like I said, there was no. It's like if we would have wanted to do Dayton artists, it would have been all like Black Sabbath cover bands and like <laughs> noise. And, um yeah so there was a lot of like synth artists who just were putting out like 10 releases a year and we're just like yeah we're e- we'll put out a tape with you so there's pulling a tons of Ferraro. On- yeah super cool uh pacific plaza has a good question wants to know if you have any musical projects that you were in in high school did you play any shows in high school yeah so the i had like a the synth progressive rock kind of video game sounding band mm-hmm. I was in was called Yakuza Heart Attack. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Nice. I feel like and, I've heard James mention this band name before in interviews as well. Yeah, that was like my teenage, yeah, teenage band. And actually our second album just got reissued on this label, Ship to Shore. No way. Does a lot of, <laughs> yeah. Wow. How fun. Does a lot of, How fun. Who does a lot of like video game soundtracks? And so stuff. is it like chip tuny at all, or? Uh, well, it's just. I mean, I guess you could say that, but it's just using synthesizers. Okay, it's very cool. Not it's, Game Boys. Yeah, but like, yeah, we played 
like shows with Anamanaguchi and stuff. So what? Kind of, oh, wild. Yeah, I was kind of in that scene, I guess you would say. Lux found the reissue was like and the link in the uh, to everybody chat. back then because they like, you know, acknowledged the vaporwave world, but were extremely popular. Oh yeah, they were on SPF four twenty. They were heroes to all of us back then. I didn't. I guess I didn't really realize didn't really that. Listen. How did yeah. they acknowledge the vaporwave world? They just they were shout. in SPF four twenty, and they were reachable. They were you. You played with them. You know what I mean? Like they were reachable people, and they knew some people, and they played in SPF four twenty. Yeah, it was just like awesome. that's all it took. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, that's all, really, you know, it means a lot, you know, to a scene when somebody a little bit bigger than you reaches out to it. And it, it, I remember it meant a lot to everybody in the scene back then. So everyone supported them. Yeah. Right. Smart move on their part. <laughs> yeah, yeah they got a pretty ardent people. following. Yeah, smart. Like, so many people ignored us. You know what I mean? So many artists did not acknowledge one bit. I mean, I'm pretty sure every single one of us at some point in the early 2010s like sent a fucking like sent some kind of demo to some record label that had a chill wave artist on it possibly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And was like roundly either rejected or ignored. Well, there's I mean, I feel like there's still kind of a vaporwave block in a lot of areas. Like like music journalism and stuff like that. Oh God, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll never write about me in the Philadelphia press. <laughs> oh man, they'll never, they'll never. I mean, I remember even in the most recent review of the Doom Trip Records compilation, on uh, which got reviewed on Pitchfork, they're like, a scene often overlooked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah exactly, right. assholes. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, man. Like. Go for it all, yourself. which is why we had to make our own media. But I'm sure punk rock had to do the same thing too. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, probably so. I mean, yeah, I always feel pulled between kind of a few different music scenes. I would say because, like, I imagine you do. Because there's, I feel like the vaporwave scene is, in its way, like kind of isolated. Maybe not on, not by choice, but like just because. For whatever reason, there's been a kind of, I don't know, like a taboo or just like maybe certain places still view it as like low culture or something like that. I'm not really sure what it is. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a divide there that I feel. So what do you think about Deconstructed Club? <laughs> what do you think about genres in general? Don't answer that question. What do you think about genres? <laughs> I mean, they're helpful. Genres are a helpful, like, shorthand to talk about stuff, basically. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it's like, sometimes it's more, I mean, you're basically trying to describe a music scene or like mm -hmm. a music culture when you're talking about genres. And it's like, sometimes the bond or the connection between these artists is like really strong and makes sense mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just like very flimsy and just like a you know like a journalist uh um like invention just like, to like some of these spotify tags on people's wrapped yeah that's that's like um have you seen well oh, from a few years ago it was like escape room have you heard of that? Escape, yeah, I know what like an escape room is. Made up genre yeah. names. 
It was a Spotify grunge. It was about yeah. It was just extremely irritating. <laughs> it, uh, like a Spotify intern made up this like genre and then like applied it to I don't know millions of artists or whatever. Man, uh, I I don't know. See, I do always prefer it when the tag of or the genre refers to more of a movement or scene or like-minded artists rather than an actual sound. Um, sure. I understand really? it's necessary. I much prefer That's that. That's so really interesting hate, to me. I really hate when things are grouped by sounds. I know they have to be. Like, I understand that that is I necessary. I guess I just feel things, like it makes more things sense. Things have to be grouped by sounds. I get it. But I would shoot myself in the face if like my sound was ever to be defined by one thing, I would oh, not can. even bother to make music. You're a genre bender. Some people, that's what they do. That's all they want to do. And like, I just I can't even imagine that. Like, I can't even imagine being like, I am a deep house tech artist, and this is all I'll ever make. And I every album make. you hear from me will be this, and every song you hear from me will be like this. And I guess that's like, I understand it. People want consistency in their music. Like I don't always like it when I put on an artist's playlist and like it's all over the place. Like sometimes I'll put on Sufi and Stevens and like, well, I didn't want to hear like all this orchestrations. I wanted to hear the twee, twee indie rock or I didn't want to hear like, you know, but at the same time, like I, I couldn't do that myself. Like I I couldn't do that. Like, but other artists, that's all they do. And every song is going to be like that. And I'm like, wow, what happens when that isn't cool anymore? When you're tired of doing right. that or like when you don't want to learn anything new, you don't want to develop your technique any further. You don't want to learn new tricks or learn from old trick like i don't know man i really hate hate you don't want to pigeonhole yourself i hate that stuff like i i i I engage with it as well because you have to because the world requires order and you know what i mean like and some people love that and they hate when they they hate when people talk about music in regards to like connections and 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 ideas and and feelings you know what i mean and like you know being like in a scene as a paradigm rather than a sound people like sometimes they hate that they think you're being pretentious when you talk about music like that but you know what go fuck yourself that's how i think about it and go fuck yourself you could like it the way you want to i can like it the way i want to and uh sorry if that got aggressive <laughs> that's what i hey, know i'm in the minority you? with how i think of music chris you seem like i feel like you're a really good kind of ambassador for like the early vaporwave scene or just like, <laughs> Thank they, they you. like talk about it very like lovingly and like you want to like protect it or something like that <laughs> yeah a little bit man the, the ideals it. of it because it actually was very varied back then it was it still man. is and it's still very varied now it's still extremely varied now and i'd like to keep it that way you know what i mean you know yeah. i don't really know what to call my music so it's vaporwave what right. would you I call mean, your I, music keith yeah, we can't I, call Keith's music anymore. Yeah, either. what would you like, call, what would your, you call music? your music? What the heck? It doesn't have a name either. I so like I went to the I went to a dentist like a few months ago for the first time in like ten years or something. Uh, hey, and, and they were like, "What?" They were just like, you know, shooting the shit, asking me questions, and it eventually came to like, "Oh, you're like a musician. Like, what kind of music do you play?" And I always just say like electronic music <laughs> yeah that's what you gotta do right escape room. it's like yeah escape escape. <laughs> um just blowing the dentist's mind with an escape room drop um yeah so i mean it's up to you know it's up to other people to to define you know what i mean true 
It's like when you're making music, are you ever thinking like, like, do you ever, how do you approach it? Like, do you think like, I'm going to make a, like a techno song or like a, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do know what you mean. And sometimes, yes, honestly, it does come uh, out like I'm going to make a new wave song. I'm going to make a future based song. But right. it, I also know that me intending to do that, it's going to filter through my sensibilities and my knowledge and my skill set. And it's going to be something totally different. You know, yeah. like I, I could even copy something if I wanted to. It'd be I wouldn't know how to do it. It would be, yeah. and also if I did copy something perfectly, I just fucking shoot myself in the fucking face because I did something derivative and, and unoriginal. Like, why do I want to try and do what I've already heard? Like, I right. want to learn from it, and I want to think about the techniques and the production techniques behind it and how they did it. But I don't want to learn it perfectly because if I learn it perfectly, I'm just gonna do what they did, and who fucking cares? They already did it, and they probably do it better than me. So why should I bother to do the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, for the. I feel like spending the effort to copy something. Ugh, put this fucking mic through my eye right now. <laughs> I feel like for the like for the best dynamic shroud album I just made was kind of the maybe the closest in a while I've come to just like I'm gonna make like within a genre or something or like <laughs> yeah, and it totally came out just like in your it, voice. It was completely. solid. It's a beautiful, beautiful work, man. Yeah, you can't like what you what you were saying is true. Like you can't really, like you can't really get away from yourself in a way. It's like it's gonna come out. Uh, no, like even if you don't want it to, like it's still gonna have your imprint on it, basically. Correct. You know, if you're an artist, if you're a cipher, then I guess it'll just be what you were copying. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, what would you say is your least favorite and trend? There's a lot, this is in a lot of ciphers, you know, out there. If you had to pick yeah. one thing that gets under your skin in music, what's your least favorite trend? Uh, that's such a hard question. What do you got? Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, um, man. What, what's your hot take? What's something you don't like? Like for current stuff? Hmm. Maybe. Damn, that's really tough. I guess, like, I feel like a lot of radio stuff is reaching the point where, like, the whole, like, trap sound is, like, I feel like reaching the end of a cycle. So it's, like, the early stuff in that sound, like, I was really into, but, mm -hmm. like, some of the new stuff uh, just feels a little bit, like, stale, like, just kind of imitating that sound endlessly or, like, kind of people from outside of the scene just kind of making the sound and like i don't know you i mean start I hearing I, it on enough of the hi-hat rolls yeah well i mean i guess i did i've kind of done it's like i'm not in the trap scene and i've used some of those sounds too but uh i got yeah <laughs> but yeah I feel that. Like certain pop yeah pop artists that are like kind of using that sound I feel like it sounds a little bit stale in 2021. I can't bit. stand the song where like there's a dubstep section, there's a folk rock singer, and it's like, but it's a pop song with like an R&B singer, and it's like it doesn't know what it wants to be, but it's like just <laughs> trying to hit every single trend that's going on. You know what I mean? Like the clap stomp, yeah, yeah but there's a dubstep section. Like, yeah, I know I, you like know what he, I'm talking about. Like when Corn made a dubstep album. 
Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on Catatonic Youths. That's how I like saw the footage of like Jonathan Davis playing, you know, Catatonic Youths, which plays like the cringy uh, music videos. They had. No. Uh, oh, you never. Oh, do yourself a favor. I'll just send you a link for it later. Uh, you gotta go like look at the stuff on Cat. You'll love it, man. You actually might find some really fun stuff to sample there, actually. Um, they post like the YouTube videos of uh, all these different, um, you know, sort of forgotten cringy garage acts. Like it's really, you know, this, they're very interesting because they're like a combination of like we're trying our very best here, but they also are not tip typically very aware of how bad they're doing at it. And sometimes they'll throw in like a clip of like, you know, they'll have a like, footage of Jonathan Davis doing his dubstep act at a live like festival. And, uh, He's really trying his best, but this is bad. <laughs> like he's jumping around trying to get people hyped, and it's like, oh boy, uh, oh people boy. That, people didn't stay stale. The reggaeton beat is played out, and Rayleigh's. So, yes. Yeah, so, I mean the things like the reggaeton simple. stuff. I also saw. Uh, um, I also saw the comment. Who was saying it in here? Um, yeah, Fader was talking about how like you have to dig for the good stuff. Everything has its lowest common denominator, and that's a hundred percent true. Every I had the little tattoo of Patty Smith on my arm, and I'm like, every genre has its Patty Smiths. Every sound design, sec, you know, whatever enclave has its Patty Smiths. You have to look for them. And I think that you know the challenge becomes with the reggaeton or maybe a typical trap beat is now to how are you going to sound design that to be different, right? Like how are you going to make it different? You know. I'm all, I'm a really big fan of a lot of the ambient trap music because I really like how they are looking for alternatives to like a typical snare roll or a typical hi hat. That's like, for example, like I've been working on you know a couple of different albums right now. One of them has a lot of trappier elements on it, but for Hell instance, yeah. instead of using 808 like cymbals, I'm using like insect wings flapping as like the sound effect that sounds close to that or rattlesnakes. You know what I mean? To give that same feel, but not use the same same instrumentation you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> so like and then to like to warp it a little bit so you just have the unconscious idea of like a threatening animal but you can't exactly oh, tell that man, it's a rattlesnake shaking to create the little hi-hat rolls as yeah. much as i don't care do for like, like hardcore that, right? gabber music that is one thing i respect about their kicks they're always experimenting with the craziest source that they can use to make a kick for their fucking 200 beat per minute song <laughs> I think um, my hot take is that I still like the reggaeton beat. I mean, it's it's pretty yeah, infectious. I mean, I like it too. I like it the it trap does its job. I like trap yeah. too. God damn it! I, it's not old to me. Like that's like some I think turn we're talking shit. about lowest common denominator trap and lowest common denominator reggaeton. That's like what we're tired of, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would, that's I would certainly yeah. agree. Keith, is there any particular artist within your scene that you would consider an idol or mentor? Uh, Whether it be Vaporwave or an adjacent scene? I think, like, mentor this... I would definitely consider this artist Noah Krzyzewski kind of like a mentor figure. Hmm. Um, Noah Krzyzewski? Noah Krzyzewski, yeah. He was like... Okay. Orange Milk did a compilation of his in... One, like 2017 or 2018 um okay and like i hadn't i had never heard about him but basically he uh he was like an early uh experimenter with like tape splicing and computer splicing and like uh kind of like sound collage sampling stuff like 
he was doing that stuff in like the 70s. Wait, what's uh, his what's his name again? Noah Chris Shebs. I think Lux might have linked it. Did you release an album on Orange Mill? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lux, you're the shit. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he actually uh, he he actually died last year. Oh. Um, but like That's rough. he had a yeah, I mean he was he was like older, like he worked with John Cage and stuff, but wow. Uh, yeah, he was basically like basically I realized that his stuff was kind of like a like early version of a lot of the things that Orange Milk is into now. How do you um, spell his last name? C R E R I'll just type it in the chat. <laughs> yeah. You type that in the chat. That sounds like a long as fuck name. Yeah, sorry. Krzyzewski. Perfect. Um, but yeah, but basically he, he's he was really much part of the like academic, like modern classical world, I would say. Very um, cool. like he put out stuff on like John Zorn's label. Mm. Uh, but very experimental. He, yeah, so he would but he got in con like he hooked up with Orange Milk and was just like Wow extremely kind and open basically and not like a lot of those people from that kind of academics school are like you know they don't want to be talking with like yeah, yeah they're they're like too closed off and just like kind of above it when it comes to younger music scenes but yeah Noah, Noah was like he talked to tons of orange milk artists and like so just cool. Like, kind of like being friends with people. And it's like, yeah, he's like this in his 70s, like the 70 year old, like teacher from, like he taught at like Princeton and like worked with John wow. Cage and like is just like chatting with these like, you know, 21 year old like uh, electronic artists from like the Midwest and stuff. So yeah. That's, so that's very special. Cool. I love that. You don't. Yeah. The academic world, it's just, it's so, it's just like, it's a shame because there's so many ideas there and it does feel like they close themselves off to like away from, you know, they think they're above what else, whatever else is going on around, you know, it, you know, in, in the, in the small pockets of experimental music around that's not in academia. You know what I mean? And that right. sucks. You know, I imagine it's the same way with the, uh, with the video artists too. You know what I mean? And uh, it's really cool that he reached out to you because, you know, I, you know most academics in music, right? Very stuffy. You go fuck themselves, yeah? You know what I mean? Like, they don't have anything to do with, like, they're just so stuck in their own head about what they're doing. It means nothing at the end of the day. I, I can't stand those people usually. I can't stand those artists usually. And that's fucking amazing that this guy did that. Like, I love most that, of the time too. They go, like, yeah, they can go fuck themselves. Like, who, who, like, people, like, like you know, most of the time, the people who get involved in academics, like, failed experimental music people, like, Daedalus and shit like that. Like, yeah, go fuck yourself, just, Daedalus. They wouldn't just talk. Anyway, like, that's, like, the one time that, like, you know, David, uh, HKE, ever trolled somebody and I agreed with it. Was was trolling Daedalus. Go fuck what? that guy. Go fuck wait, wait, who's Daedalus? Oh, exactly. Oh, exactly. the guy, his name is Alfred, right? And he like dresses like a, like a he's foppish guy. old and washed up and now he's in academia. You don't fuck with Daedalus? 
He can go fuck himself. Yeah, he's oh, an asshole. Oh, man. I didn't know he was an asshole. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he's an asshole. Oh, and, like, man. Yeah, I mean, he like kind of looks like he's pretentious. And, like, yeah, he is. And he just stuck up his head, stuck up his own ass, and he needs nothing to experiment. I mean, who makes about. electronic music and dresses like an eight, 1800s dandy? Like, all he's right. someone who can't fucking hack it. And this is it did not become as popular as his peers and is now in academia. Go fuck like, yourself. Oh, man. Ass. Luck says Mux <laughs> Mool is a dick, too. <laughs> yeah, I can I see that. that. Yeah. One, totally see uh, that. Yeah, one time that like that was definitely a time that like Dave trolled somebody and I fucking agreed with it. No way! I did not know he was an asshole. That's funny. <laughs> like, what did he do? It's he, just like, not very interesting. It's like really Bibio, but boring. And, like he's also like he's even like commented on my stuff before too. No way. Like, yeah, he go fuck himself. I hate that guy, and I hate I, his music, and I hate what he stands guy. for, and fuck oh, academics man. and music in general. <laughs> now it's oh, on man. record. Our yeah, next anything. guest on Hot Takes is... Just kidding. You guys should fucking bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, actually, I got a good question for you. Is there anything that you used to be into that you're, like, not into anymore that you once were really passionate about and now you're just like, uh-uh? Yeah, like, I went through... Let's see. I, I've been through tons of phases like that. Like, um... I was into like fish for a second. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We? Trying to find what your tribe was, huh? Yeah, and it's it's so funny. Like, um, yeah, I was like, I was a young teen, you know, and like my friend, I, I was into fish, like their albums, and then a friend took me to a live show, and I was like, I'm done. Like this is. I, oh, I don't so think I'm into funny. fish after all. Oh no, I mean, I've made. What did they just jam the whole time? Didn't really do anything. Yeah, and it was like just the I don't know. I just like couldn't. It just like wasn't for me, basically. Well, that actually brings me to: uh, Do you guys like it when you go see an artist and they just kind of just kind of experiment the whole time and just kind of just do something? I've heard Animal Collective does that a lot. Um, versus like do, when you go to a show, do you want to hear the hits? Like, do you want to hear the songs that you want to hear and sing along and dance? Or, I mean. No, because I'm used to like seeing people in a basement with like five people in the audience and like right, like yeah. contact mic contact like, mics, <laughs> just like noise for yeah. hours. Okay, like, man, this fish show must have been real bad. We're, we're talking about like for like a professional, like a really popular. If I'm going to see a popular act, is that what you're saying? I saw what? I saw Animal Collective live actually. Oh, that's and, sick. Uh, and they kind of did what you were, what you were explaining. Um, I actually thought this. I think, I think they were kind of. I didn't really like their live show, honestly. But they're pretty divisive. Yeah, I think it maybe was just the sound. Like they just didn't. It didn't sound very like powerful or like loud or energetic. Okay, I got um, you. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if it was a, like. I didn't care if they played the hits or whatever. It was just like no, you just want something. Yeah, just like a, a, being a little hyperbolic, but well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want something cohesive. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just want something cohesive. Like I don't have to know everything, but I just want to feel like I can trust the person taking me taking me on the journey. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, with what Pacific Plaza just asked, what's the weirdest venue you've played, Keith? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I did a tour with 
Uh, this artist Darren Keen, and um, so he had like a booking agent uh, who booked half of the tour, and then I just kind of booked the other half, like through people I knew. But um, so like he, the booking agent's half of the tour was all these like kind of bar, like bro bars, and like <laughs> <laughs> and just like. Uh, all throughout like the midwest and stuff so we were like playing at these like shitty like bars in kansas where like people are just going to like drink and like you know and then like i'm trying to play like giant claw music oh man it was like some of the most awkward experiences of my life um like there's one track i there's one live track i have where there's like a lot of kind of like pauses for silence in between uh like hits um and i would just dread that part of the show like every night because like that's the point where like people start like heckling and like mm -hmm. <laughs> and start yelling and stuff uh i remember so, i saw yeah. oh go ahead uh, i didn't mean to cut you off i'm sorry man i saw a band live one time called do make say think and one time, I guess they were playing a really quiet part of the song, and people started talking, and the guy literally was like, "Shh," <laughs> and it worked. He shushed them. Yeah, he went. Wow. He smiled, but he was like, "Shh." Keith, um, Keith played a show with me back in Philadelphia in uh, oh god, was it 2013 or 2014? Right? I think I saw this yeah. Twitter thread. Probably yeah. Two, yeah, around then. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, I'm not gonna like. Was that like, that might have been one of the first times there were multiple people from the Vaporwave or Vaporwave adjacent scene like on a build together. Was it? Yeah, maybe 2013. The first, like, because there were people like I played shows, you played shows, other people played a few shows on their own. George played shows, obviously. But you never really played with other people from your scene because we were always too far away from each other, right? You know, from your little music enclave. And yeah. um, that might be the first Vaporwave show. It's possible. Like, that, that might be the first Vaporwave showcase. Like, I would not call anything I did a Vaporwave show prior to that because it was just me. You know what I mean? I would not call anything that George was doing a vaporwave show. It was just him touring with like maybe TV Girl or somebody like that, right? But or or even St. Pepsi when he was he never played with anybody except for you know himself and somebody else on the bill. You know what I mean? Not from yeah. our scene though, really. Uh, I would say it's possible, Keith, that that was the uh, the first vaporwave show. So who else was there besides you guys? Just me and Keith and my friend Matt Cannon, who had a band at the time called Time Ghost. He's the actual one who booked the show because like oh, I got sick. him in. I, I did got him into, or maybe he got independently of me, but he'd gotten into a lot of the Vaporwave acts through knowing about me, I think, and then knowing about the people that I was following with I was following and interested in in the in the internet world. And, you know, I think they and he loved Matt loved Giant Claw, as anyone who is into experimental music does when they first hear Giant yeah. Claw. And like got keith there and i was like oh wow and then asked me to do it too and you know matt uh he has another band his, his name is matt can he's a very very good old friend of mine uh, i've been talking to him in a little while but he's got he scores some he does like independent horror films now too like exercise oh, that's cool. he, made, he scores wow. them as well he goes under the name lapses now so check him out 
And uh, yeah, that was a fun time. And James came to that show as well. James was yeah. in the audience. And that's when you guys, I think, afterwards, after that show, went back to his place and started uh, working on the uh, the DDS album, yes? Oh, my God. Right? Was that? That might have been, yeah. That was the same, because you were in town, obviously, for the show. So I think you Too spent cool. the weekend with James after that and then started working on uh, Try Living This Way, yeah? I can't remember if it was uh, our... Because I'll try living like this was the second time me and him try living this, yeah. did that. But yeah, that's... Man, I kind of forgot. Try living this way. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. Do you remember oh. that show, though, Chris? Oh, he's frozen. Frozen again. Bro. <laughs> My word salad. Oh, there he is. He's back. It. I'll try. I um can you uh can you make an album called I'll Try Living This Way, please? Because I just uh I just mislabeled it. Hey, at least it's not like they misspelled it. No, I can't. Like I, on I'm your album with Lux. <laughs> Keith, do you have a musical guilty pleasure you want to admit to us? Uh, uh not 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 really. I mean I feel like most guilty pleasures people kind of like wear on their sleeves now, so it's not as like. I mean, admitting that I like fish maybe is like. <laughs> the like. Most I don't believe in guilty pleasures personally, but yeah, it's fun to talk about people that are not people. It's fun to talk about the things that aren't cool to like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, it's like things go around like, like things become cool and then not cool. True. Um, at varying speeds, like, for instance, like, I've always been a, I was like, as a kid, I was like a pretty big anime nerd, like, I loved anime, and, um, for years, like, I was so ashamed Aww. that I, that I, like, was into anime, um, <laughs> but then, like, in the last, you know, like, five to ten years, like, I feel like it's more of a people became more it became more like cool to like anime. yeah it definitely did oh my god yeah it's, it's like a prerequisite it's weird how it's now. like cool now it's it's yeah. it, it is you know all the all the pretty people like anime now <laughs> they it's do hot. they all dress like it they all go yeah and they all like do mm-hmm. like that not doing that before <laughs> so but, I mean, you, you, you had to run in run in fear embarrassment if you liked it I feel like it's on the way out again, though, so... Yeah, you, know. you think so? It's possible. I mean, like... Cycles. like Yeah, I said earlier, like, I grew up with Lord of the Rings. Like, I used to love, like, Marvel comics. It seems mm-hmm. like everything that I loved as a kid has just been turned into, like, a mass media, like, empire-type thing. Uh, yeah, Everything I loved as a kid, because I grew up with comic True. books as well, and I would buy them from like Seven Eleven. That was back when they would sell comic books at like convenience stores too. So I have yeah. all these. Like it was never about collecting for me. It was um, I wanted a comic book. I liked reading comic books. Comic books were fun for me to read, and I would go buy them. So I'd buy everything from Daredevil to Thor to Spider Man to all this stuff. Like I have boxes full of comic books, and yeah. I enjoyed reading them. And then one day I looked around. And uh, there was a mass media global empire based around that. <laughs> I know, and the cards right? I used. We had the comic books and cards I used to collect. And like, I would go watch these movies, and I'd be like, "This is 
stupid fucking bullshit. This is just like, I just feel like I'm watching the actor have a good time. You know what I mean? This is like a movie for these actors. Damn, this son. is not the, char the characters that I remember from the comic books that I read when I had no friends. Like, this is just a bunch of fucking famous actors, like, winking at the camera, being like, <laughs> look at me in my outfit. I'm pretty charming. <laughs> I'm Spider-Man. Go fuck yourself, Chris Pratt. Go fuck yourself, oh, Robert Downey Jr. Go fuck yourself, whatever the fucking tall guys who are blonde that play with Thor. I don't even fucking know their names. I don't even know. I don't care. I don't watch those movies. I could care less. Anyway... You have, have you got have what you guys seen things? the live action version of cowboy bebop and what do you think no i'm not gonna watch that why would i watch that i'm Keith, not interested did you watch it i yeah i haven't finished it but i watched some of it um i don't care i'm not i don't want to watch that like i'm not interested in it i already like my version of cowboy bebop i'm not gonna watch this live in the same way that like i they made like a watchman tv series on hbo oh they did i didn't know that I'm not gonna watch that shit. Like I, I'm, almost, I'm upset. I watched the movie. I'm definitely not gonna watch the TV show. Yeah. Quiz I mean, says I'm like, wearing my Iron Man pajamas, so I guess I'm just gonna eat shit, shaking my head. <laughs> you can wake Iron Man. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm just, guys, I'm just, I'm just saying yeah, stuff. Fuck just, Iron Man. It's this is entertainment. <laughs> this is show business, guys. You gotta, you gotta speak a little kidding. bit louder. Use a little bit of hyperbole. You know what I mean? Yeah, Relax. yeah for sure. It's all good fun. Yeah. You can wear whatever pajamas you like. You can like whatever you like as well. And just, you know, stir the pot a of little course, bit. Of course, of course. Yeah. Take it all with a grain of salt. It's all good. It's all love, guys. The, um, yeah, but the new Cowboy Bebop is, like, the only really good part about it, I feel like, is that Yoko Kano did more music for it. True. Um, and, like, yeah, because that original, I actually watched the original Cowboy Bebop recently. Okay. And I kind of oh, realized that it was just... It was like the the music in that was what really like yeah. hooked onto me. Um, yeah, for sure. And like, I don't know, some of the like the episodic nature of the original, I was actually didn't. I never loved totally. Like, I wished it was a little more serialized. I think, um, but like the I music is is fucking incredible. Like, like I'm obsessed with Yoko Kano. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Oh yeah, it's iconic. But yeah. but yeah, I think the new one is just like it's not it's it's not like total garbage, but it's like just indicative of It's uh, it's not even that these things are garbage. They may be very good and they may be very well produced and excellent, but I'm just not interested. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't interest me. It's it's not You're I'm missing not out. I don't care uh, that much. I don't really care. Um this really really very little that could sway me to watch these things that i'm just kidding i haven't watched it media that i already like and already have the vision of the are you guys gonna see it. the super mario brothers movie starring chris pratt no <laughs> of course not it's got to be stupid. better than the original super mario brothers movie no the original one's great because it has nothing to do with the fucking video game that's why it's great because it's bizarre it's it makes uh -uh. no fucking sense it's a it's fever like... dream of a movie that's why it's good because it's bizarre <laughs> they should have called it something else like, like doki doki panic 2 no they should actually call it super mario brothers word for word Did original say... i love that because it's like a fucking it's like a it's like a joke and that's what that's what i liked about it <laughs> was that it's such a bad movie and it 
disappoint so many people who want to see like this game that has like no plot whatsoever be translated to screen. Like, give me a fucking break. Mario doesn't make any fucking sense. This is like <laughs> the only way you could translate it to screen is by doing something that's like, I don't know, let's make dinosaurs evolve into people <laughs> and you get zapped into a dimension and the Goombas are just like guys with small heads. Like, it's brilliant. It's so ridiculous. It's so disappointing that it's good. Like, what are you... Do, are you into movies at all? Like, do you? I watch love movies. I'm huge into film, actually. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, he likes to I watch the uh, giant claw all equivalent I... of films. Uh, yeah, hey, of course. What's like? What? What are some good movies recently? Some good movies recently? I want to know this recently. too. Um, I watched um, hmm, recently. Like they're like new movies. Or yeah, just no. movies I've watched recently. In the like, yeah, just in the last few years, I would say. Paul's <laughs> uh, getting pissed that we're, not, that we're talking about. So. Yeah, there's some good questions in chat, but you know. Oh, with you. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Should we dig a question? I, I want to know I'll about the good recent movies too. But but Pacific Plaza says, "Did you write for TMT?" Yes. What I is Mixtapes. Yeah, I did write for Tiny. Oh, mix Tiny Mixtapes. I'm an idiot. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, like, uh, I started really early at Tiny Mixtapes, and, um, that was a whole, that was like a whole other community. Um, I honestly feel like Tiny oh, Mixtapes cool. needs to get, like, more recognition for kind of, um, hundreds of like, for, for sure. giving. For like giving early vaporwave like attention and credit basically right um because like that whole music that whole community of writers was like basically our entire kind of goal was to just sift through like new music scenes and just kind of try to like point out like oh there's like a group of kids somewhere like doing this interesting and then like you know, give it a little bit of exposure. So, like, the ev I'm, like so many people there were obsessed with, like, the early uh, Vaporwave stuff. That's sick. And, like, I probably, like, still some of the only, like, in-depth, like, critical attention given to some of that, some of that music. Um, but, yeah, I used to... I, I just couldn't keep writing. Like, at a certain point, I realized that, like, essentially criticizing music was too much of like i was like too neurotic for it like every one of my mm. reviews i just started th like thinking like what is taste like do i like what does it mean right. to like something or to dislike something subjective like, versus objective yeah, quality i couldn't just i couldn't mm. just be happy with being like i like this and like have it be said as like a factual statement um i feel that i used to write so, yeah. reviews for my own old defunct site so i feel that yeah yeah what did like did you come to the same conclusion no man like... i mean nobody read my shit so i just wrote here's what i like and why i like it and let me describe it for you so hopefully you'll check it out that was all i wanted to do yeah know? i feel like there's yeah there's that approach there's like a more like musicologist approach where you're just like kind of looking at the music from a historical context. Like, I think Pitchfork does that a lot. Oh, this has been done before. 
6.7. Or just like, yeah, like where does this come from? Like what scene is making it? Like what are the roots? You know, that kind I of- I respect that, but I'm not smart enough yeah. to do that. <laughs> I guess I kind of prefer that kind of writing because it's just more like, it feels less like you're just, other writing when it's very opinionated is just like, it's just talking about the writer. It's just like- I agree. Oh, it's basically man. the writer talking about themselves. I I always hate yeah I always hate, you ever watch like a documentary where the documentary Tarion doesn't have enough like information about the subject so it starts off with them talking about themselves and their experience with it when I was growing yeah up, that shit is I so was boring man of this and I decided to make a documentary well like here's a photo like, of you as a child you're padding time the subject of the documentary like I I hate when documentary filmmakers do that they, shit and I hate when reviewers do it as or well or like at the beginning uh, of a recipe. Oh, my Mima are... used to always make this when we were kids. I gotta shut the fuck up and give us a recipe. I don't care about your Mima. Give us the recipe. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I see. What, so I do like rock or or music journalism slash criticism when it is talking more about the history of something and what leads up to it. Because at this at the at the end of the day, most people who are music critics are not musicians. So they, True. the way that they can criticize something and put something in perspective is by being students of the thing they are criticizing, right? Like that's how film criticism works too. Those people don't make films, but they are film critics because they have a PhD in understanding and experiencing film and like the directors, the locations, the things going on at the time, the source material, the yada, yada, yada. That's how you become a trusted critic and an interesting critic. It's not just by like putting on the music and being like, meh, you know, I don't know, it was pretty groovy, but I not know, groovy right? enough. I've heard groovier. <laughs> it's like, oh, have you? Can you describe groovier? What does the word mean? No shit, right? Where's the origin of groovy? Well, who was the first musician? You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, you know this is a the very silly thing I'm groovy. saying right now, but at the end of the day, like that's how criticism works, right? That's how, <laughs> that's how you distinguish someone who's a critic from just some armchair person making comments about stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, usually it's like, I feel like some of the best. <laughs> yeah, that's right, quiz. <laughs> best criticism is like art that the person's made. Like, if you go to like the '60s, like Jean-Luc Godard and like Francis Truffaut and like all the French New Wave like films, like they were all film oh, critics. Oh man! And yeah. like, and they they would write about it, but I feel like their most successful expression of criticism was like making their own movies, basically. Oh and yeah, I, I mean, my-, my... Kind of Like that with music, like, it's like there's sure. things I hear in music that I wish were a certain way, and like, maybe I don't hear it in one artist, but my response to that is to like, make my own music, like make my own yeah. take on it. And I feel like that's, you know, I feel like that for me is more successful than if I was to write about music, Ooh, basically. Yeah, I like absolutely. that. Absolutely. So one of my favorite film directors is Peter Greenaway, and I feel like that's how he approaches films as well. Is it is literally like a criticism about what he wants to see. But also he's like extremely erudite and knows a lot about modern about about art. He was a draftsman before he was even a filmmaker. So, you know, a lot of his films are usually based around either you know an artistic subject or they're even filmed in a way that is to be an expression of an artistic style so you know like his criticisms of film is his response is just like you said with the new wave artist is in the work itself you know what I mean? yeah, like there's sure. another um 
filmmaker named Lech Bajewski, which I will highly recommend to people. He's made some movies like Valley of Dogs and Valley of Gods. He's a very interesting art house filmmaker who specifically makes films to express something and to make beautiful art and like story and narrative be damned. You know, and I, um, you know what I mean? But feelings. And you know what's really funny is people like think it's really shitty when like. Oh, let's zoom in on it. You know, re- like removes narrative from something. And people think like, oh, so pretentious. <clears throat> well, no story, <laughs> whatever. Oh, so stupid. Oh, I mean, come on. There's no story. Why should I like it? Go fuck yourself. The story is in the feelings. The story is in the moods, the emotions. The story is underneath the superficialities. Like people think it's so fucking pretentious to make music or art or movies that don't have a very obvious narrative. Like, they're like, well, it's so stupid. Like, you think you're just better than it? They're just doing it to be... No, man, they're doing it because they're operating on a level of, do you feel this? Why am I big and small? What's going on here, Isaac? Because it's funny. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I support it fully then. Um, But, you know, like, I I don't think that... I think that there's different ways to have structure, and you don't necessarily have to have a traditional narrative to have structure. I don't know. Like, I'm so sick and tired of people being like, it's pretentious to not have a plot. Go fuck yourself. Then don't go fucking watch it. Then I don't care. Then it's pretentious. If you think it's pretentious, I think you're fucking Philistine. Well, I guess we've reached a standstill, haven't we? Go what fuck an yourself. impasse. Hey, uh, impasse. Pacific Plaza had a really, really good question. Uh, he wants yeah. to know if there were any reviews you were particularly proud of that you wrote, Keith. Oh, jeez. Not really. Like... I was, I mean, I was young, it was a while ago, and I feel like, in retrospect, like, I was a pretty shitty writer, so, um... Oh, says you. No, I, honestly, no. Like, don't look, don't look at any of them. I think I wrote up, like... Lux, do you think? I might have written, like, a Disintegration Loops thing, uh, like a year-end. Oh, the Disintegration Loops, yeah. William Bazinski. William Bazinski. Uh, oh, they wow. released it on vinyl recently, the Disintegration Loops, and it's like 12 vinyls. Oh <laughs> I can't Jesus. even imagine. I can't even imagine. Yeah. They did, that was like, I think a year ago they did That's that. That's some caretaker shit. Yeah. yeah. I, you wrote I'm about all... the Disintegration Loops. That's like, uh, that is, uh, that is, that, you know, you want to go into experimental music journalism, you've got to start with the Disintegration Loops. It sounds like on it. it. I feel like even that's become kind of a meme. Like it's completely a meme now. <laughs> it's totally a meme. Chris, I, was, I think I was like, I think I brought up just how, like, it was so closely related to like nine eleven imagery, like, and how I feel it's like people think now he kind of like used that like in a kind of maybe deceitful way or something like. Interesting. Using nine eleven imagery to like sell your album or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's I, a good question. I don't know. When I heard it, I didn't. I just thought it was like incredibly beautiful and like. Yeah. I just love. I've always loved that album. Um, yeah, found it. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I was, I'm not proud of my writing. I'll just say that. I bet it's better than you think that it is. 
Maybe. I mean, it's okay. every artist's nature to self-criticize. Do you do you know how often Pacific Plaza says that Dr. Chris is hip with the kids? The kids are saying vinyls now. Apparently, vinyl as plural is dead. I get, I do this all the time. I'm always saying vinyls, and I swear to God, I'm always getting shit for it from music heads. Pacific Plaza, also, uh, 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 Basement Labs gave me shit for it too recently. <laughs> You know, oh man, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike gave me shit about this too recently. I'll, i never, I'll never be able to correct myself. I'm gonna blame it on a, uh, on a, on a, Can I say it's a South Jersey thing? Can I do that? Can I blame Jersey it on that? Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and not well, me just being. Chris, lazy did you see that Nathan uh, posted that tweet that we were talking about earlier today? Can someone explain to me why people who play guitar have decided to revive shoegaze slash dream pop and embrace dumb retro shit oh, like Weezer what? in an era filled with violence, economic inequality? Kills yeah. Quote. <laughs> I was like, Chris, you got to say something about this stupid tweet. I gotta, yeah, I mean, like, it's complicated because it's something that, you know, so I think Toby Vall, right? She was one of the co-founders of Bikini Kill uh, along with Kathleen Hanna, yeah? So she made that comment and... um you know, it's like you you definitely I, I don't even remember what it was exactly. What 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 was the quote again? I don't remember. I guess she was guess, pissed that people were using they were reviving guitar music but they were just doing it for fun instead of making political music. It? I don't know. I, I don't know. know. I mean, you're always right when you say that, right? I mean, that's always right, but at the same Hannah's like reviving the Tigra and like not paying as much attention to Bikini Kill. So I figured I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this was some misplaced anger. <laughs> that's what that's what I thought. I like saw that tweet and was like, huh, well, this is coinciding with Kathleen Hannah reviving the Tigra and maybe not paying as much attention to the Bikini Kill revival any longer. And maybe she's mad and now she doesn't know where to put her anger and she put it on Twitter. That's what I thought. We, we got a couple <laughs> people in the thought. chat that really want to know the qu answer to the question that Pacific Plaza asked. Keith, can you read it? Yeah, how did I develop the uh, Octopad drum pad live performance? Um, first of all, who is, who is Pacific Plaza? Do, it's is Alex. That... Alex, our buddy Alex from Pacific Plaza. He's been on this show before. The okay. excellent human being, Alex. Love yeah. him very much. Big love I for feel Alex. Like... That's a virtual memory, a hero in the scene, in my yeah, opinion. I've Agreed. seen that before, but I didn't know if they were in like the... That's dynamic shroud discord or what? Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's Alex. That's Alex. Uh, yeah, but that. So the drum pad I use live is called like an SPDX. Like it's like a Roland drum pad sampler. Um, and basically I've, I have. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen those things? Like, it's it's like every live band uses one. It's just like a like the drummer always has it like next to their kit, and yes. it's always like just has some like bongo sound or something on. Oh, it. Oh, it's just like an electronic pad they can hit. Yeah, like so oh. they'll be playing like a drum beat and then just like hit, you know, like need a, 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 a sample sound. I got you. And kind of I think use a, it yeah, George used to use one of those. But um, yeah, so I was. It was the only one of those I could find where you could like. Uh, kind of have an expressive performance on it like so you can load samples onto the pads and like if you hit one sample it, it triggers then you can like hit it multiple times and it will like kind of swell on top of each other mm. so like you can like 
basically create an ebb and flow of sound with it um that i don't know any other instrument you can do that on so yeah that was like the basis for that performance style um just like deconstructing tracks i've made on the computer turning them into tiny little samples and like loading them onto this drum pad and like making a new performance or arrangement uh, of the songs um gotcha yeah Man. that's pretty so it's like, cool yeah it's yeah. fun it it's, takes it's, forever yeah i can't even imagine how long that takes oh my god yeah it's a pain in the ass honestly but that's really well, cool you guys want to go into our um shout out section of today's broadcast oh, no are we we done already we're five so minutes sad. away we, from this i swear to god this show always goes by so fast i yeah, just want does. to uh say i am sorry if i was too aggressive occasionally tonight but you know it gets the pot stirring it's fun it's entertainment folks you know this is no, the kind I, of entertainment it, i always it, dreamed of <laughs> it's so entertainment I, folks have you one real quick like i watched the um the beatles documentary recently yeah i did too just, like it reminded me so much of just like a twitch stream like really yeah it just was like like i loved it but it was just like so mundane and just like yeah it just like it reminded me of watching like magic the gathering on twitch or something just like you, you think it's mundane now can you imagine how many hours peter jackson had to watch and that's like the exciting stuff that he cut it down to oh peter jackson <laughs> made it oh, i didn't know that yeah he's directed and edited well, he edited it down there was like probably there was some, wasn't there like just like 48 how many hours worth of footage was there i don't even know but it was hours and hours and then they made the original cut the cuts for that and they cut it down to like 12 or 18 hours and then they had to cut it down from that again and like this is what they ended up with so it's like you think it's mundane now can you imagine the rest of it yeah Jesus. i mean i love that it's monday like i that's I my do favorite. too i loved it like just yeah i feel like i hope more movies and stuff go in that direction of just like mimicking like live stream stuff where it's just the feeling of like hanging out with someone i, I feel like is an untapped like area that yeah <laughs> is like infinitely watchable in my opinion that's a really it's true but is it concept. watchable because it was edited to be watchable it, uh, that's a good question i don't know um it might have been edited to be once again remember peter jackson had <laughs> originally yeah Sorry, you're cutting out again. So, yeah, he, uh, Peter Jackson had dozens of hours of footage originally, so he created the maybe he created the illusion of making this be watchable and like, wow, just two guys, four guys, and uh, and a girlfriend hanging out, making music, you know, stuff turns into this, just chilling, being buddies, and it was edited to make you believe that it was just that easy and just that watchable, but maybe it wasn't. And you know, that's like you know, this was like a one of the one of the most famous directors around that sure. was at the helm of this project. So like, I don't think anything is accidental. You know what I mean? Mm -mm. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, it's like I can watch like footage of someone like making a painting. That's true. Just, like uninterrupted for like, like two hours. I don't know. It's just that's true. But painting is I, a bit more of a meditative experience than four guys in a band 
clanging yeah. around trying to make a song happen. Like there's definitely many times, even in the documentary, where they're just like singing "Get Back" over and over and over oh, really? again. How over long is this documentary? To the point where I think like John Lennon's ready to quit. <laughs> I don't know. It's like four parts, right? Two hours for each part. Oh yeah, Jesus! Like, Eight hours of the Beatles. That's amazing. I would totally watch. I'd watch 16 hours of the Beatles. I love the Beatles I respect very much. It. I I only know how to play instruments very well because of the Beatles. I only I did I when I was younger I avoided them like the plague because I was very punk and hardcore and I'm like they don't have anything to learn from these assholes. And then like I hit a wall with my music writing right, and I just was like, well, let's see what all the hype's about. So I just started learning to play their songs on guitar, and it wasn't like I was like. You know, I learned about structuring a pop song. You know what I mean? Like, there really is a reason why they're so popular and why they they why they remain so hell hell heralded. And it's not a conspiracy, in because it's just that they are better pop song constructionists than everybody else, practically. And I'm not even being hyperbolous when I say that. Like, you know, go around, look at the other people from the era. Every one of those artists. I don't know, man. You learn to play those Beatles songs, you can learn to structure a song. And honestly, the other thing about Beatles songs is if you can, pl you can play them on guitar and you can sing them in your voice and it becomes your song now. Like anybody can pick up a guitar and sing a Beatles song because it's not like they were the most fabulous singers in the world. Uh, and it wasn't the most complex guitar songwriting in the world either. So anybody can get it play the songs and sing it in their voice play it in their style and then while you're playing it you just learn how song structures work how pop hooks work oh this sounds right oh this is fluid and it's just like once you like i played through all their songs and then like all of a sudden i was like one thousand percent a better songwriter well like and in any genre and in any genre like you know what I, mean? like, I don't write songs that sound like the beatles but i'm a better songwriter because i learned to play them that's how it's what I, and ask anybody who plays a lot of instruments i don't know keith what do you think but sorry, the chat is just cracking me up right now. I know, now. right? Oh, Lord, who I'm knows? I'm dying. John Lennon never unclogged a toilet with his hand. <laughs> uh, someone please explain that. Did you and Tech both just happen to unclog a toilet with your bare hand in the same week? No, my my story was from like a year or so ago. Okay. But, uh, Re but rest yeah. in peace, your hand. Rest in peace, my hand and my... <laughs> sense of mental security uh <laughs> yeah we've all has and has no one else unclogged a toilet with their i mean older before? millennials have i don't know about those younger ones that's the divide right there spoiled <laughs> it soil it. it all right man so we are at the end of our broadcast if we don't wrap it up now we never will so we like to do a little section at the end where we give you the floor and you can Shout anybody out that you want. You could do some self promo. Tell us whatever you want. It's just, it's, it's you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just made a Deathland Demerick Shroud album. Uh, like my first solo DDS. Hell it's yeah. Only on the, it's on like the subscription, uh, their Bandcamp subscription. Uh, but if you want, it's also on YouTube and like archive.org. So <laughs> you can go listen to it. Just listened to it last night. It was solid. It's yeah, excellent album. Excellent album. Thank you. Yeah, I I think it turned out pretty cool. It fits into the uh, canon very well. Yeah. Uh, and then for Giant Claw stuff, like I maybe a month ago, I came with a live album that's on this label, uh, G Note Center. 
like a European label. Um, and yeah, that's just like my live yeah. set. Okay. Um, so those are the most recent things that I've done. Um, yeah. So check that out, I guess. Got anything coming up? Uh, I'm, let's see. I'm, I'm playing a show with Machine Girl. Wow. Very cool. Wow. That's going to be such a good show. Oh my God. Where is it at? It, I think that's in like February in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Okay. That'll be the wow. first. Wow. It's in February. Yeah, awesome, I dude. Go to that show. That yeah, sounds I'm amazing. I'm trying not to play a bunch of shows, but uh, I, I feel like I couldn't really turn that one down. So no, yeah, right. You can't. I would. I, I. When is it? I keep post this on your Twitter at some point because I really I would love to see you and Machine Girl play a show. Then I. Yeah, wow. I've never yeah. been to Cleveland. I'd like an excuse to go. Yeah, I'll post it. I don't even know if they announced that I'm on the show, but uh, it's like on their tour that they're doing. So I'll, yeah, I'll put it on Twitter when I know, like, or when they announce it or whatever. Hell yeah. Very cool. Oh yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, do you do like Machine Girl? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Got Love respect. Chris? Oh me? Um, what do I have? Uh, I am uh, just sent out um, the uh, the ambient album, the side project I'm working awesome. on, Polymath Polymath Vampire, which is an ambient uh, side project, a melodic ambient side project. The way that that album worked was I would take a bunch of my synthesizers, I'd program sequences into them, and I'd weave them around each other, and then I sent them off to some people to add guitars to that, to guitar drone guitars to every as well. So it's got um, called uh, Polymath Vampire. I just sent it to Angel for to be mastered recently. Hell Angel yeah! Will be mastering it. Good friend tools. of the show. Uh, the, the album features guitar work by uh, um, Leroy from uh, you know uh, Hawaii '94, formerly known as Hawaii '94, and also of, he's also of surfing. And and it also has Donor Lens on it doing guitar work, Winter Quilt <laughs> doing guitar work, Tower of the Sun doing guitar work, and our buddy Joel. Gold living room doing guitar work on it as well. So that's all being mastered right now, and I suppose I'll figure out what to do with it after it's mastered. Hell yeah, um, can't wait. That's it for me right now. That's enough. I got yeah. other stuff working on. That's enough for now. I got a Chris, show. Do you, do you oh, go ahead. Do you still what? work at the hospital? I don't. I work in private practice. You're remembering that one time that we were at that show in uh, Philadelphia, and I had to leave. I'm like, I gotta go to the hospital. Goodbye. Oh, damn. I talked yeah. to you and James for like Wild. five minutes before I had to leave. Uh, yeah, I don't work at the hospital currently. I am in private practice, a uh, private contractor right now. I get hired to go to uh, different uh, practices to do gotcha. stuff at them. Yeah, okay. I remember that conversation because we, you were showing us like photos of. Um... <laughs> I don't even know if I should Road say rash that. and shit. You were showing us. Like, at least he posts a trigger hospital. warning on his stories. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, those were all approved. That's that's okay. Don't worry about it. You're you're good. You're allowed to look at those because they're public. Uh, they're publicly for um, lectures circuit. It's ah, online, so gotcha. you, you can look at those ones. Yeah. But I do realize I that they are. Regardless of that, they are still. You know, if you're not prepared for that world, you know, it's maybe not the best thing. No, I for people to look at. I like seeing that. It was interesting. You like seeing? I got more. I got more. Oh, no. We'll hang out again soon. Guys, I got Anyways. a show coming up in uh, Santa Ana, California, our very own Pacific yeah. Plaza. 
has uh, joined forces with my collective Rosewood, and we've got a show in Orange County on the 12th of December, 12 12. Hell yeah. Uh, oh, headliner is yeah. Frank Javsey, and we got uh, Frank Javsey is going to be throwing down along with JC Aris, DS Dude, Keb, Vaporwave Shine, uh, Pacific Plaza himself doing a back to back with Mittens, and me doing a 50 minute back to back with Feats. We're going to be throwing some lo fi house tracks back to back. How fun. Oh man, it's, we're excited. So, so come on down to FTG Warehouse, 7 p.m. doors open in Santa Ana. You're doing so many shows, man. I'm trying, man. <laughs> if, if people want me to play, I will go. Even if I end Why up in the hole, I will go. Play. This uh, is basically like the greatest vaporwave DJ of all time. You oh, gotta have no. a show. You're too kind, but you know what, man? Like I really put my blood, sweat, and tears into it. And Lo-Fi House is my favorite. So I can't yeah, wait. We, I, we, man, we gotta do a show in Philadelphia at some point. Oh, in our dude, lifetime, I, buddy. I can't wait, buddy. Um, and so that's it for tonight's broadcast. But guess what? If you tune in in the next couple weeks, you get to see our very dear friend, Golden Living Room, on Hot Takes. I love that guy. We're gonna love bring Joel. Joel on here in two weeks. So be here, same time, same place. That's 7 p.m. Pacific Standard. Twitch.tv slash Hot Takes Vapor. Follow us, retweet us. Uh, Bring your friends, tune in, listen to the podcast, and of course, follow Keith. Buy Keith's art, buy Keith's music. Thank you so much for being here. We really enjoyed yes, talking to you, mm-hmm. and thank yeah, you. for sure. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, yeah, everybody that tuned in for being love here. Love having you on. We'll see you guys yeah, in a couple absolutely. weeks. absolutely, and keep your takes hot, but your heart warm. You know, be nice oh, to each man. other. Uh, Despite the crazy shit you might say once in we're, a while. We're going to have... Nice. We're going to have to end on that perfect note. Good night, guys. Bye. That's a hot take. Swing it around, American flag. Yeah. That's what America's supposed to be. It's supposed to look like terminally chill. The insurance yeah. commercial has a fat ass, but like no personality. Yeah, I feel like sitting here and listening to this. <laughs> no, God damn it, Isaac, New Noise is not the first fucking refused album. Rip Isaac a new one today. Do you know what I mean? Like... Records ever. <laughs>